Hello. Hey, girlfriend. Oh, shit. Here comes Leroy. Hi. You accidentally called Leroy by addressing me. All I have to do is move vocally. a little bit. And he's like, what the fuck? What's going on? What are you doing? Yes. What are you doing? Why are you getting close to mom? What's going on? What's happening? <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's true. Little little boy do a heckin' protect. Our sentinel, Leroy. Yes. Like, um, you know, Bo has never been a guard dog. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Leroy kind of isn't either, but he's just like very involved. He has some instincts. Um, he's more of a hunter, though. Yeah, he's just and, very involved. And Bo in is too, but Leroy is just way better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a higher prey drive than Bo does. Yes, he does. Bo's been around cats, and he's been like, okay. He's curious about them. I don't even think he's okay. Well, whatever. He's <laughs> he's not immediately ripped them apart. Okay. That's that's the deciding Fair factor. Enough. Bo has never destroyed a cat <laughs> limb from limb. And and to her knowledge, Leroy hasn't either, but yeah. oh, he wanted to. Yeah. No, definitely. It was a neighborhood cat. It did not get hurt. It escaped, though I don't know how. I hear like a hum. I, think I do a- think it's the freezer. No, no, no. I no. Th- it's like when I talk. You hear that? Wow. Wow. I mean, now that you're making this happen, no, 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 do, no, no, no. But <laughs> Like after I stop, listen. Uh, wow. Uh, it's almost a little, it's I, not even quite an echo, but it's reverberation of yeah, some kind. freaking me out. What's going on here? I used to uh, have this shit nailed down. I don't know. It's like something on this table, like maybe this mug. No one wants to listen we've, to this. Yeah, we've had this issue before. Sometimes there's just stuff on the table. Move this metal mug. Okay. Wow. Nope, still happening. All right, whatever. It's not important right now. We'll figure it out later. I'm sure this is really fun to listen to. Yeah, it won't be noticeable. I think um, there's a word for that. It's like a... I don't know what it is. Why are we still talking about it? I don't it? know. <laughs> Stop I can't, bringing it back up. I can't stand it. <laughs> Drive me crazy. Anyway, I'll just try and ignore it. Um, and we... Are back. This is a podcast that we do, and we're here doing it. Mm-hmm. That's our tagline. Yes, that's our, <laughs> that's our tagline. Yeah, this it's is a podcast like that we do, and we're here doing it. In, in Goose chase. <laughs> Thank God that's not our actual tagline. Oh, hold on. Nope, it's going to be. I got to write that down. Don't do that. Uh, tagline. Uh, dead air. Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Typing sounds. Mm. There's a, you know what, there's a, it's just, I can't figure it out. There's something going on. Oh my God. I know. You will not rest. Let's move along. Uh, we have something very important that we have to talk about and catch right. everyone up on. Right, which is seven steps to groom your Christian wife. Oh, no, it wasn't going to be that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. It wasn't. It was going to be that your eyes got better. <laughs> oh, that's so unimportant. Yeah, I Let's know. Talk that's about why it. I was going to bring it up. That's, but now you brought up the Christian wife thing. No, and now thing you is, have to address it. I definitely want to talk about that. That's why I did that, because I want to talk about that at the top here. OK. But first, <laughs> I, I didn't know it was possible. Yes. After five years away from the eye doctor that you could go in and get an eye exam and they go, huh, your your vision actually got better. <laughs> Wearing your horribly out of date glasses for so long did you a favor. I didn't know that it was possible because basically if. okay, so if you have if you're nearsighted Mm -hmm. and you grow up having glasses, basically every time you go into the eye doctor, your eyes are a little bit worse. Yeah. Or mine actually stayed the same for a very long time. But yeah, mine, mine got worse like year after year, all the way clear up to probably adulthood. 
Yeah. You know, and the, the thing with mine is, though, that they're like, oh, well, your yours is a minor correction. It's not even that severe. I have to wear my glasses to drive, like legally have to wear my glasses to drive because when I take the vision test, I can't pass it without them. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you're telling me it's not severe and that my eyes haven't gotten worse. But shit, like my vision is not good without them. So I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just like it like with anything. Some people are just more sensitive to yeah. some things than other people. I was but told my just... eye is football shaped. Oh, stigmatism. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I have astigmatism. I do not. That's unrelated. That I've been told. Yeah, you can have both issues. They're yeah. not necessarily related. Anyway. This is the, so interesting. The eye doctor told me that my eyes, my, my prescription has gotten less severe since the last time I went in five years ago. Hmm. And she said, well, you know, you, she asked me, I think, like, do you, do you work on a computer? You know, like, and I said, yeah, I'm like always in front of a computer. And she said, well, yeah, you, you, you like have trained your eyes. Huh. Which I didn't realize was a thing. Interesting. I feel like the advice you always get is like staring at screens too long is bad or like yeah. it's bad for your eyes. Not that mm-hmm. you can actually train your eyes. I even <laughs> asked her because I was like, OK, I'm not the only one that's always in front of a screen now. So I was like, is this common? Like now that people are always looking at screens, are you seeing people's eyes get better? She's like, nope. <laughs> like, She's not like, really. Happens for some people, not for so. everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I, okay, so I one of the things I really like about going to the eye doctor is that one and two test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Where they're like, does it look better one or two? So I dislike that because it means I have to make decisions and I always think I'm giving the wrong answer. I like it because it makes me feel like a princess, like a princess, a pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> it's like I can. Okay. Ju- it's like uh, the princess and the pea. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let me see if I can tell the Give difference. Give me one or two again. I don't know. <laughs> like you play coy. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't do it again. I can't. I don't know. It's so close. And then they're like doting on you. They're like, oh, what do you what do you think? Pretty, wow. Pretty I feel princess. like I've just learned so much about you. <laughs> it's the one area of my life where, where I'm comfortable being like, no, I'm a queen and I get what I want. <laughs> You're going to spend 20 minutes on this one thing. <laughs> Hours have gone by. I don't know. I don't know. Do it again. <laughs> um, I, I think there is some actual legitimate truth to that, though. Like, there's very little times where I feel like you'd be comfortable uh-huh. taking someone's time or, like, right. having them pay attention to you for you to make a decision. Right. But, like, that's exactly that situation requires that. I'm sitting there thinking. So the you last have permission time, to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like I haven't had glasses in five years. I, the last time I got glasses was five years ago. So like this little 10 minute exercise mm-hmm. is like it's the important. next five years of my life. Well, it's also one of those weird situations. It's very unique, like very rarely in getting treatment mm-hmm. for something. I mean. A little bit here and there, but like very rarely in getting treatment, do they rely on you explaining to them what your experience yeah. is? I mean, they do to some extent, like, like how vision, much pain are you in and stuff like and that. Pain. But yeah. like they can't see through your eyes. They don't know what you're experiencing. So mm-hmm. you need to tell them. So it's important that they spend the time to do it and right. you're giving them accurate answers. So your yeah. prescription is right. But <laughs> and meanwhile, me, they're going, a unique why situation. isn't there a three? I want to see option three. I'm special. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. OK, let's talk about the Christian wives, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. So I didn't. I the thing is, I wanted to talk about this. I I because this just came up this morning, and I'm just kind of chomping at the bit about it. Um, I it makes me so incredibly angry. It's uh so Chris sent us this. Um, he said stumbled across this in the wild. I'm very curious where he found it, but I didn't ask. Yeah. Um, this is. I don't advise. Um, I don't know. Yeah, if you go to this site, have an ad blocker. Don't give them money. Um, yeah. But uh, the website is biblicalgenderroles.com. And the article in particular is called Seven Steps to Grooming Your Young Christian Wife. Um, and if you <laughs> can, if you have the stomach to start there, um, the word grooming obviously is like a big red flag. I, I feel like we've probably discussed grooming on this <clears throat> podcast before with the amount of like cults and stuff that we've talked about. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure. But if we haven't, it's a glaring omission. If if you don't know what grooming is, basically it's a practice of manipulation, usually in reference to um, abuse of young children. Mm hmm. To set them up for, like, future abuse. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's sexual abuse, but not necessarily. But it's, like, <sighs> manipulating the situation and their patterns of behavior and making them comfortable with things that they normally wouldn't be comfortable with over a long period of time mm -hmm. in order to get the behaviors the the perpetrator wants in the future. Mm -hmm. Um it has a negative connotation because it's a negative behavior. It's manipulative and abusive. Yeah, right. It's it's the idea of making someone precisely the kind of person you want them to be for your own selfish reasons. Yeah. And the, by whatever in the, principles. In the goal to think that you deserve that, that anyone thinks that that's okay makes me so angry but carrie you I mean, talk about the article you say you that but on. i got you like locked down like that i mean i got i i've been working on this i'm gonna kick you in the watch nuts. as i say the magic word <laughs> pineapple and then you get up and go get me a cup of coffee wouldn't that be funny if i conditioned you to get me a cup of coffee wouldn't that be so hilarious why would the word be pineapple? Because it's like a code word. It's like the Manchurian candidate. It's, Why it's, wouldn't you just be like, bitch, coffee? <laughs> because it's more fun if it's a code word that's unrelated. Mm, I think you're just really bad at this. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just like the, the code word that activates the subject. But what do you say when you want me to get you pineapple? Uh, coffee, obviously. <laughs> that's what I was going yeah. to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so this article, Seven Tips for Grooming Your Young Christian Wife. And all of those words are super important. It was basically an article that is a response to a question that someone sent in. Sometimes, like, Poe's Law applies. And I, like, can, cannot quite tell sometimes if I'm reading satire or if I'm reading something so... Explain like, obviously law? ridiculous. Well, Poe's Law is the idea that, like, a sufficiently advanced satire is, is nearly indistinguishable. Yeah. If, okay. not, if not fully indistinguishable from, like, reality or, you know, whatever. Uh, so the the person who, I guess, is a reader of this blog is the <laughs> setup. And they sent a letter in about, you know, their problems with their wife. Uh, this guy in the uh, letter is, like, 24. 25 and his wife, his wife is, is 18, 18 and, they and, were they, and they've been married a year so <laughs> you can leave it to yourself whether she like got married on her 18th birthday or whatever i don't know um it's uh 
whatever. The, just move right past that um, into <clears throat> basically they're having problems with their budget. He's having problems keeping her from overspending her part of the budget. Also, there was no elaborate discussion of what the budget was. No. He says he's able to keep on his budget. Right. She goes over hers. No idea have, what he's allowing her as an allowance exactly. to be his wife. We, we have no idea what her part of the budget is. It's very possible that it's impossible to keep to it. Right. I would not put it past this sort of person. Yeah. But. All of that is like mundane. Um, yes. Like manipulation in, a, in some sense. It's like, OK, it's not good, but it's like we haven't entered into freaky deaky territory yet. Uh, but where it gets interesting to say the least, is where he's asking about, you know, like, what are the circumstances under which I can spank my wife as punishment? Yeah. Basically, he doesn't want to just take her card away. So he's considering spanking her as an alternative, even though he knows she won't like that idea because she'll think that it's him treating her like a child. Yeah. Why would she ever think that? <laughs> I don't what? know. Maybe what? because you're treating her like a child. How? And and you're like excited about the fact that she basically is a child. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's okay. So let's just move right into the the answer to this article because that's basically the question. <laughs> this guy goes in a long explanation of the prerequisites and the ways that you can manipulate, essentially, your wife. Uh, you know, he doesn't put it that way, but he starts the the article off by, like, reframing the whole conversation. Like, you know, humanists will say that grooming is a bad word. And, when and it comes you to, should believe them, because well, <laughs> humanists are people who care about human beings. Well, <laughs> but but he, he makes this distinction, like, in the world of man. I hate this. I hate this argument to start off with is, like, you know, there's the sinful world of man and the righteous world of God, right? So, like, in to be a, in human terms, grooming is bad, but it's sacred in the Bible. I should stop here and just say, I know most Christians don't believe this. Yes. I didn't, I, I meant to, like, like, disclaimer this up top. Like, I'm aware that... Yes, we know that most Christians... Right. Th this is something that is a part of, like, very literal interpretation of the Bible, most Christians don't yeah. do that and yeah. aren't, even if they interpret parts of the Bible, literally, yeah. there are distinctions. And and also, like, I do want to say the Bible pretty explicitly <laughs> tells husbands not to hit their wives. Yes. I'm pretty certain <laughs> that, like, it, like, so I do, we, we, we talked a little bit about this beforehand. I do think that the, the Bible in many, many places, if not largely overall is fairly misogynistic in its text. But mm -hmm. because of the nature of the Bible, it often double speaks. So people mm -hmm. can find, you know, a you, for and against a it's lot of things. The same with almost any text, but it, you can take something right. out of context in any way you want. Uh, it's, yeah. it's the same with like scientific research. It, you can manipulate evidence all yes. you want. If you're not trying to be objective, if you want something to say what you want it to say, mm -hmm. you can manipulate something out of context right. and have it mean what you want it to mean. Be very selective. It's no different from the Bible and in the Bible. Like, yeah, people do it all the time. There are so many cults that are built around like the beginning that begin with Christianity and go off the rails. Yeah. And a lot of it is due to these very specific interpretations of messages from the Bible. Right. And what they decide it means. 
<laughs> but this is a version of that. Yeah, I just felt like I needed to like disclaimer that up front is like I'm aware that you can find, you know, you, you can find justification for this kind of shit in the Bible just as easily as you could find, you know, the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm not stupid. I'm not trying to color. Uh, but like decent human beings should just know that yeah. you don't abuse your wife and then say that God told you to. Right. So this guy has rationalized in his head like, you know, well, what are the way? Because obviously here's the part he doesn't budge on is clearly we need to groom our wives to be what we want. And he has he has his justifications for that, you know, talking about the idea of making. Oh, God, there's a there was a passage. I'm, you know, I can never remember, like, the specific wording of scripture. Nah. Um, you He's know, got ba- time for that. Basically, because it's <laughs> written. Christian. It's written, you know, in uh, like an archaic kind of version of English. A lot of the, the King James version is just like it's not natural to remember yeah. it that way. But but it uh, but there's this idea of like making things godlike, you know, cleansing them and making them pure and um and and there's some there's this is in reference to he uses this in reference to like your wife like you mm-hmm. your job is to make her better which is a good idea on some level we you know like don't we all want to make each other better yeah but it's not like a the thing is we want to help each other Right. Be the best version of ourselves with the consent of each other. Right. It's a matter of supporting people, not like bending people. It's like if you came to me and you're like, I'm having this problem and I know I need to address it. Mm-hmm. My response would be, OK, right. what can I do to help you address it? Because yeah. we're partners right. and I want to support you and be helpful. But if you were doing something I didn't like and I took it upon myself to decide that you should change the behavior because I don't like it and I started manipulating our environment to make you change the behavior, that's not okay. Sure. Because I'm not giving you the ability to make the decision. Mm -hmm. I'm acting on what I want and not considering you. Right. That's fucked up. It doesn't matter who you're doing it to. That's mm-hmm. not acceptable behavior. It's just it's exerting your will on someone. Yes. And in, in his, in his and, case, someone who doesn't want it. And, and doesn't Christianity isn't the big isn't like free will a thing. That's like a thing. Right. Like you have the ability to make choices and sometimes they're wrong and mm-hmm. sometimes you sin and you have to like make up. For those sins and yeah. prove that you, you know, believe in God and you're following his word. But yeah. you won't give that opportunity to your wife. Yeah. Like it's and anyone who needs to believe that they are above another person. They just uh, they must be so fucking small. Yeah. Like they just. Ugh. I can't even word that in a way that makes sense. I just keep grunting. No, no, you're right. I mean, like, that's the thing is a certain, well, a certain interpretation of biblical scripture starts and ends with men are special, women are for men, and essentially not use, but... um, But basically. Yeah, sort of, yeah, not, not use women, but like... Own women and it's make them, better and make them what you want. Like there is a certain biblical interpretation that says that's not just OK. That's what you're supposed to do. And if yeah. you're the kind of person or you were like raised in the kind of environment where that feels virtuous. 
I, I just can't imagine. You're yeah. right. Small is the word. What kind of a person do you have to be? Yeah. And I don't mean that in any physical way. I just mean as a personality, as how a short, human being. How short do you have to be? Well, I just imagined someone being like, why are you making fun of his genitals? Like, no, no I just mean small no. in the sense of like, I don't know. As a person, That's as a real like your tiny own dick energy. ego, the way you feel about yourself must be so small mm-hmm. that you have to make everyone else feel like dirt. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you have power. Firstly, in a relationship, you shouldn't need to feel like you have to instill a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up and secondly like you need like in any other situation we'd be telling people like you need to deal with those issues because the fact that you feel so badly about yourself and the only way that you can feel good is to be bad to other people Uh is not good well of course like if you're if we're gonna put our heads inside (laughs) this author being bad to other people isn't even part of the right he thinks it's godly right um (sighs) the seven steps by the way have hallmarks of abusive behavior built oh, in. Oh, absolutely. So, like, one of I'm them sure. is I didn't to, read this, by the way. I didn't read the whole thing. I read, like, the first paragraph, and mm-hmm. then our other friends and Dave read it and reported back a little bit about it. I couldn't do it. I'm angry just talking about it. I couldn't read it. Uh, one of the prerequisites is that your wife should be young. Um, that bothered <sighs> me right off the bat. It's just, like, she should be young and it's younger than you. chills down my she spine. Should be, she should be under 25, is the argument. And uh, he even anecdotally says, you know, I've seen women in their late 30s and 40s try to go through essentially workshopping this. And they just didn't have the, you know, they eventually tapped out. They couldn't do it. They've already developed self-reliance and the ability to figure out when someone's trying to manipulate them. And so it just doesn't work. Oh, they're just spoiled for being heavily manipulated by having grown a sense of self. Isn't that a bitch? (sighs) So... Uh, that's one of the steps. The other, some of the steps are like, have a male role model for you, uh, have a female, a subservient female role model for her. So in other words, stick close to people who are already well into this kind of abusive bullshit Mm -hmm. so that it feels normal to you. Yeah. Normalize the abusive behavior. Mm -hmm. There was something that was said, the person who wrote in said basically that like, I know sometimes you, you warn people against spanking your wife because there's the possibility she can go to authorities due to like and claim it to be abuse. But I know there's no chance of her doing that because she was raised in a Christian household Ugh. and knows not and knows to solve issue, keep family issues within the family. That really bothers and me. That, Early into their marriage, they had had some issue and she went to her mother and her mother said, I don't even want to hear yeah, it. This, this is between you and your husband. Mm-hmm. And my interpretation going, of this. Yeah. The way to not like get your kid out of an abusive situation. Good fucking job. <laughs> Although I'm sure she is heavily manipulated, too. Sure. So. But ser- whatever. Yeah, you're um, right. My response, my interpretation of this, if I can find it, is... Uh, 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 God, it was so far back already. Why did we talk to our friends so much? <laughs> you don't. You, well, you don't read what you said about it. Just say how you feel about it. Oh, OK. Um, She won't report my abuse of her, though, because she's been abused her whole life by God fearing people. And she knows better than to expect help from loved ones, yeah. which is what that boils down to. Uh-huh. I want to note <sighs> that also he says in this article and, and I and I shared this quote with everyone is something to the extent of, you know, uh, I must I tell you, you know, like I started off very against wife spanking. 
then I kind of came I around was neutral to it. To it. <laughs> now I really believe in it. Now, now it turns me on. Um, <laughs> no, it's so it's, he says that I was neutral toward, toward it. Uh, but now I, I recognize it as one of the most effective ways of however he no, phrases this. Once I started beating my wife, I realized I really get off on it and want to do it more. But this is the important thing. He says later, uh, I, you know, do I spank my wife? No. Why is that? She's from like a basically she's a little older. She's basically from like a more feminist perspective oh, of Christianity. He, he fucked up. And he says he wouldn't tolerate it, but he's he, or she wouldn't tolerate it because she's basically more modern and feminist. But she um, he says he's found, you know, other more effective strategies with his wife <laughs> than spanking his wife. Um, I can't believe it. How about treating her like a human? Wife. How about treating them like people? Well, yeah, I, I'm sure that's not in the mix, but no. I'm sure he's got strategies. <sighs> um, I, I hate all this. So anyway, this has been Goose Chase. Oh, my God. It's uh, starting we'll on this week. note. Is, uh, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is a little sneak peek into the very near future. It's going to tie in. It, not the religious side of it, but the manipulation side for sure. So that's something to look forward to. Um, let's let's talk about something <coughs> less absolutely awful, but still not good. Okay. And the fact that our dog Leroy is a total asshole who just <laughs> fucks up in more new and astounding ways every day. We're still we're still going to talk about other stuff. Yeah. All right. Because I wanted to. I didn't know we were going to read the awful article <laughs> earlier. <laughs> okay. Um, so Leroy learned he could get out of the backyard in yet another way. And I was outside with him and hadn't heard him jingle for a while uh -huh. and looked for him and saw him on the other side of the fence. So I had to run around in mm -hmm. like my sleep dress that mm -hmm. <laughs> wasn't dressed in my bare feet with the leash to go get him. And luckily he seems very motivated to get out, but not necessarily motivated to run away. Yeah. That's actually kind of funny to me is that he gets yeah. out and then goes around the other side of the fence to be like, check out what I did. Yeah. He's just on the other side of the fence sniffing the bushes. And I'm like, well, thank God you didn't run into the street, but yeah. like <sighs> lunatic. And then the next morning he, um, and we have like a food container for them that, that holds like most of their food so I can just scoop it into their dishes. And I finished feeding them. They ate their whole breakfast and I must not have closed the lid all the way. And so the next thing I know, I'm like clean, putting everything away and I hear munching and I look down and he's got his head in the container. I'm like, well, shit. So I shut it all the way thinking if I actually shut it the way I should, he won't be able to get into it. So I go take my shower I come back out and he's not on the couch where he usually has settled in by that point. It's like our routine. So I look in the dining room where the food container is. He's five feet away from the food container, sitting up, staring straight ahead. Like, you know, when you catch a kid doing something they shouldn't do and they just like go to the furthest side of the room they can and like sit stock still. That's what it was. And the food container is wide open. So I have no idea how much he's eaten. Uh, spoiler, it's a lot. Apparently, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. Because it's a ton because he looked like a fucking balloon the at next At the day. end of the day, I shouldn't have fed him dinner, but I fed him dinner not even thinking because I didn't know how much he'd eaten. At the end of the day, we're like laying on the couch and I'm like, he is completely distended. 
Yeah. Like he had no rib cage anymore. He was a fucking potato. The, the poor- I was scared until I was like, well, he's farting. So he's like, I was afraid his stomach had twisted, but um, it hadn't. Mm. And he was fine. But a oh, little lunatic. He's finally back to basically normal. It's just really upsetting to me. Like, I don't know. I just like I, kept, I just kept envisioning like the worst possible outcome. Because yeah. he looked so bad. Oh, yeah. It was really scary. He I mean, like, you called the vet. And the next morning I did just in case, but he was fine. And um, he did at one, like, during the biggest part of his, like, belly being distended, he couldn't even sit up normally. Like, he yeah. wasn't walking as well because he was, like, so fat all of a sudden. Like, he was full of so much gas. He was farting so much. It, he pooped a billion times because he, he had so much food in him. The, My poor little guy. The idiot. You find this much funnier than I do. I, I find it funny now. I was scared at the time. But he like he just finds new astounding ways to fuck up. It's impressive, really. He, I, he's I, a magician. He is. I think it might be time for a game. Uh, I'm with that. I demand a game. <laughs> I demand a game. I was going to bang my can on the table while I did that, and I realized that would be really annoying sounding. Go for it. You already started it. I demand a game. Mm. I demand a game. Uh, Sorry, that probably is really annoying. The people have spoken. Uh, I have a game. All right. What is it? It is shoots and ladders. Oh, okay. And it takes approximately 35 minutes to play. Well, let's fuck off on this podcast and go do that then. No, let's do an audio podcast of us playing shoots and ladders. (laughs) Okay. God, wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah, let's do it. All right, and move five. Oh, no, it's another shoot. Oh, no. You can't see what just happened, but it wasn't good. Shoots and ladders is like. It's not fun, right? It's like basically the most illustrated, like, random dice game ever. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, it's like, <laughs> it's just a series of fails and successes and it's really true RNG whether you win or not. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Let's instead play a game called Trues and Fizz. Yeah, all right. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to mean. It's time for Trues and Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. Famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. A Merv Griffin production. (sighs) All right, let's just play it with no explanation. Uh, no, I don't think I could do that. I think I really need an explanation. You need an explanation? Yeah. All right. Well, truth I've and, never played this before. Trues and News is a game where you have a 100 tiles and you roll a six-sided die to move forward. And if you land on a ladder, you go up. And if you land on a chute, you go down. And the goal is to get to space 100. Wait, fuck. That's shoots and ladders. Shit. <laughs> it's shoots and ladders on the brain. What's Trues and Fnews? Trues and Fnews, that's right. Oh, God. Oh, i got to keep it straight. Trues and Fnews is a game, a classic game, an internet game, a game that's taking the internet by storm, which I present you three stories. Two of these stories are false stories. One of these stories is a true story. You have to determine which of these stories is the true story, the truth, or the false story, the news. <gasps> Yay! That was really good. That's not bad, right? Yeah. It's a parlor trick now. I have mm-hmm. the most useless skill on planet. <laughs> Wanna see my useless skill? It's really, it's, no, it's the dumbest 
It's, All right. It's so dumb. All right, David, I'm ready. Uh, my okay. fingers are poised above the keys to write my little blurbs so about each of these. One of the things I could have done is pull this up on my phone before I make you sit here and, uh, and you wait You could for have it. done that I instead of generating dead air. I seriously don't even know where it is. This is great podcasting. Where you is know, it? We've only been doing this. This is now our 107th <laughs> episode. I, clearly, uh, we're fucking pros. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I have completely lost it. Um Oh, my God. Okay. Do, do, do. Here we are. Episode 107, Trues and Fnews. All right. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Number one, an online poll for America's most unfortunately named elected official has found a winner. Voters have selected Kenosha, Wisconsin's Holden Mapeepers for the crown. <laughs> Number two. In an attempt to generate new entertainment business amid the COVID pandemic, a small Arkansas fairgrounds is converting its facilities for a drive through experience, including a drive through petting zoo, a drive through haunted house, and a drive through lazy river. Okay. Number three. As further proof that the future is just recycled past, to catch a predator's Chris Hansen is teaming up with insane clown posse, to try and catch a sexual predator, says Hansen, I'm proud to be a juggalo. <laughs> oh, I I really need these again. <laughs> OK, here we go. Recap. Number one, an online poll for America's most unfortunately named elected official has found a winner. Voters have selected Kenosha, Wisconsin's Holden Mapeepers for the crown. Number two. In an attempt to generate new entertainment business amid the, amid the COVID pandemic, a small Arkansas fairgrounds is converting its facilities for a drive through experience, including a drive through petting zoo, a drive through haunted house, and a drive through lazy river. <clears throat> Number three, as further proof that the future is just recycled past, to catch a predator's Chris Hansen is teaming up with insane clown posse to try and catch a sexual predator, says Hansen. I'm proud to be a juggalo. Wow, I can't even decide. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. All right. Let me give my little, my mm -hmm. versions. Okay. <sighs> Holden Mapeepers won something for the first time since he was named. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, he also got elected, so. Yeah. He Second time. My car can't wait for the drive-thru log ride. <laughs> and thirdly, uh, Chris Hansen whoop-whoops until he's dead in the ground. It's true. It's all true. Uh, I can't decide which is actually real. Um, mm -hmm. The oh truth God. is uh, stranger than fiction, they say, unless we're writing the fiction. Uh, that's true. In which case, it's all strange. It's just all equal amounts of strange mm -hmm. often. Um, I, have, I have confidence in you. I feel like you'll get it. I don't know why. I don't have confidence in me because all of these, I, I think all of these are real. <laughs> <laughs> Except here's the, I don't think, I don't think the Chris Hansen one is real. Uh -huh. Not that I, because I don't see them collaborating. I just don't see him saying he's a juggalo. Okay. I think he's too classy and he, I just don't see him doing that. I will say this. Chris Hansen is not classy. Really? 
Yeah, he's like he got got in trouble for defrauding people and shit. Oh, that's true. I think it was an accident, but he's still like I don't know. He's he's kind of a mess. Hmm. Well, anyway. <sighs> well, then I guess I can't necessarily put him put it past him to like write on someone else's well fame to get an audience, but right. I feel like the the park thing, the mm-hmm. the drive-through experience is very possible, but I don't see how you would do like a water rides. I like the idea of the drive-through petting zoo and just like holding your hand stiff and just like bonk, 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 bonk. Almost, as- almost <laughs> like at the end of a sporting event where you just like right, hold just your hand out everyone. and you just like smack animals yeah. in the face as you drive by. Yeah, right. You, you got to pet them all. Um, at 30 miles an hour. Pokemon. Um, did you say three or 30? 30. At 30 <laughs> miles an hour. Um, I pet 200 animals. Holding my peepers. Holding my peepers. M-A-H-P-E-E-P-E-R-S. R-S. Yeah. I got lost in the E's there. You did. <laughs> you just wanted to add. It's kind of like when you spell the word banana and you add too many annas. Yeah. Um, or Mississippi. I think I'm gonna say that holding my peepers is true. <laughs> holding my peepers. If is holding true. my peepers is wrong, um, I don't want to be right. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> let's get that. Let's uh. Let's uh. Cross stitch that on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go canvas for holding my peepers, and that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> that's your guess. Holding my peepers. Yeah, I'm gonna go for it. It's not a uh, no. Which is the true one? I'll give you a second guess. I'm going to say it's Chris Hansen. It's Chris Hansen. Fuck. Yeah. That so, bastard. <laughs> so Chris Hansen, talk about like a kind of, I don't know, it's not fair to say fall from grace, but like the dude had like a huge national TV show. Yeah. And now he's just on YouTube talking to ICP and other people. He's He's got mm-hmm. a YouTube show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a long way for a dude like that to go, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's not like the concept isn't interesting to people still. Like, people still want to see predators get caught. Yeah. So why is Chris Hansen on YouTube talking to ICP? Because he fucked up and defrauded people, <laughs> yeah, apparently. I think yeah, I think just no one trusts him now. I recently read something about ICP, about, um, like, past songs and stuff that were, like, homophobic and stuff like that. And mm. one of the guys of ICP was, like, you know... Everyone makes mistakes and I really like we regret that we were so uninformed and like <laughs> the ICP dudes are like hilariously woke. They actually like <laughs> they, it seems like they're trying. I don't know if they're acing it, but it's so you know, funny to me. They're actually trying. And I they even like told their kids like that. We're not proud of that. Like, yeah, right. We don't believe that <laughs> Yeah, to be to be clear ass dan or whatever here's, <laughs> yeah here's the thing if whatever ICP the name was from the SNL is more sketch. woke than you examine yourself that's all i'm saying yeah if you can learn something from icp you've strayed far from the path you know that's a thought <laughs> i mean like somewhere right now in like in like an abandoned field in michigan there's well, they're no, they're probably not setting up for concerts right now. But no. just like the thought that like a whole I think bunch they, of they did a remote meetup. Uh, oh, really? I believe I heard that. Just yeah. the notion that like 
a bunch of dudes in clown makeup are like, like, Mm -hmm. like following like into, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Like how in 2020 are ICP the ambassadors of some kind of like rationale to people that might not have like if Shaggy to Too Dope accepts that the coronavirus is we- real and like it is accepting that, you know, he fucked up and was misinformed, but really was very wrong in his beliefs. Yeah. You should really consider yeah. like if <laughs> um, if you're still holding on to the old shit, holding my peepers, if you're holding my peepers, oh. you shouldn't be. I did not tell you you could. <laughs> Here's a brief excerpt from that article about Chris Hansen. Uh, It says it might seem that Chris Hansen and a pair of face painted rappers wouldn't have much in common, but both sides are in complete agreement that and this is where it gets specific. Accused predator Davey Vanity. Oh, oh, I actually go down. Yeah, I know about this guy Uh, known for forming the electronic music group Blood on the Dance Floor. Uh Vanity, whose real name is Jesus David Torres, Mm -hmm. has become the subject of sexual assault and rape allegations made Mm -hmm. against him by over 20 women. I fell down a rabbit hole about this guy like five or six years ago. He's a total piece of shit and he is a predator. Well, uh, many of the victims were underage at the time of the alleged attacks, and even some of Vanity's former bandmates have corroborated the accusations by describing the musician as a sexual predator. Earlier this year, Hansen announced that he was mm-hmm. launching his own investigation into Vanity and that it had also been reported that the FBI are investigating the claims. Band members have quit because of him and members of other bands refused to tour with them yeah. because of him. And his actions and seeing him lure young girls like most of their audience was like 12, 13 year old. Oh, really? It's like it's kind of it's like it's electronic music. music, but it's that kind of like gothy emo over dramatic, almost yeah. theatrical kind of thing that like when you're really young and you have a lot of feelings. Right. <laughs> you don't know how to process what you're going through. You're like, yes, the tell kind, me how fucked those bullies are. The kind of thing that doesn't look good on like a dude near 40. <laughs> right. Um, but he is, he's a fucking predator. I, I don't even know how I learned about him originally. Cause it's obviously not my style of music, but mm-hmm. I somehow heard them mentioned and I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? And I like started watching their music videos and stuff to figure out what they were. And I mm-hmm. was like, this is not my thing. And then I started seeing comments about like him being fucked up. I'm like, well, what's this mm-hmm. doing goose chase long before goose chase started basically. Right. Um, yeah, I actually would watch that show. So this is it's I don't think it's a video. I think it's a podcast basically on YouTube, but I would listen. I, to I would listen to the, I kind of I kind of want to know what ICP has to say about it. Like, I'm sure they know stuff. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they they kind of could offer and not just them, but like anyone who is a musician and goes on tour and maybe has young fans can offer a viewpoint of like. Sometimes you're put in weird situations because you have young people or vulnerable people who look up to you and your music has impacted them. Yeah. But you're the one with the power. Yeah. So, like, you have a responsibility to keep the situation healthy and safe for them Mm -hmm. and not groom them, which he has done, and, and use them and be a fucking pedophile. 
So basically, uh, we will be accepting your submissions of photoshops of Chris Hansen in ICP makeup. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Please send them to goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. Goose uh, just such a weird Chris Hansen saying, I am proud to be a juggalo. Can you hear that God, in his voice? I can. Why don't you have a seat over there? I'm a juggalo. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> okay, go, Chris Hansen. Can you imagine guy walks into the kitchen, starts eating pizza, and then Chris Hansen walks in. In full juggalo makeup. Walks in kind of hungry, huh? He's got like the full... <laughs> Hey, why don't you have a seat over there? Uh, one of my favorite reductress. <laughs> what I'm here to tell you is I'm Chris Hansen. And, and I'm, I'm a down juggalo. to whoop whoop till I'm dead in the ground. Uh, one of my favorite reductress articles uh-huh. is it, it basically a take on discussions of very personal choices people make when they have a kid. Things like whether or not to circumcise. But it's that style of article about being a juggalo yeah and getting their baby like <laughs> getting their baby oh, like body piercings i think you shared stuff. that with me i have shared this with our friends no fewer than two times um it's so well written it's so fucking funny and it makes me laugh every time i think of it i just i cannot get over the idea if you can find it, it's a reductress article and the, i think the title is something about Oh, I can't remember the title, yeah. but I remember a line from it being something along the lines of, um, my baby is going to whoop whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still picturing Chris Hansen walking into the room in ICP makeup. Oh, that's great. Kind of a hot day. Why don't you grab a Fago? Have a seat over there. <laughs> I'm Dateline's Chris Hansen. Whoop whoop. Whoop. <laughs> 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 I don't think I've gotten a single um, uh, True Symph News right for the last several times I've guessed. I think that's maybe. I think that's true. It's getting harder because we're getting better. I think so. And I'm not getting better at guessing. (laughs) Yeah, I can't. I think I got last week's one right, but I don't usually. Um. Yeah, you did get last one right. Uh, Do you want to take a break? Yeah. And then I'm I'm raring to go on this episode. All right. Let's uh, take a break. God, we've gone so long already, and it's uh, probably going to be a long episode. Yeah, it's fine. Strap in. Yeah. Uh, we'll You're see. in for a treat. We'll see you in a minute. Stick around. Yeah. You are in for a treat, let me tell you. You've been working on this for days. Yes. It was um, very difficult to just distill down into the way I wanted to tell it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information. It's a weird, it's just a big story, so I'm just going to get into it. But Uh, By now, everyone listening to this knows what this is, and I do not. Yes. So. Well, let me introduce it properly in the voice of Stefan. Yeah, right. If you're looking for an incredibly bizarre story that will hurt your brain, this story has everything. Robert De Niro meeting Mikhail Gorbachev, horrifying accounts of every form of abuse possible, someone who was granted a full pardon by President Trump, the mafia, Sarah Lawrence College, and former mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, all Beautiful. of that's true. Beautiful. 
All of that's true. You're just you're describing the entirety of the mess of the last four years. <laughs> Basically, um, this I recognize is most ser- of what you're talking about. Didn't know about the De Niro thing. Of oh well, this all literally this <laughs> all is included in this story. I will touch on every single one of those things. What the things. fuck did you do? <laughs> what this, is he, what all have of you this, done? All of this is involved. Okay. Um, but seriously, this is your trigger warning. This is a tough one. I will be talking about manipulation and uh, lots of different forms of abuse. There will be some fairly graphic descriptions. I avoid being graphic where I can, but sometimes it's necessary to tell, you know, what happened to the victim. Um, so the name of this, it, it, I'm taking this from the article I got most of the information from, which was from the cut. Um, the stolen kids of Sarah Lawrence was the name of the main article. Holy shit. Yes. So let me just go. So this took place from the years 2010 to 2020 still going on kind of um so in case you don't know this this the setting let's paint a setting yeah, 2010 sarah lawrence college which yeah. is a private liberal a liberal arts college in yonkers new york which the, is a close suburb of new york city there's a very very faint bell ringing for me right now and i feel like that bell should be louder maybe i had never heard of this until i saw this article and the article was recent the original article came out, I think, April 2019, and there's been more recent updates, so the article's been circulating again. Um, so Sarah Lawrence, and just to give a little information about the school, mm-hmm. um, they operate on a similar um, system of like Oxford and Cambridge, which is they teach in small seminars, mm-hmm. and then you also get one-on-one student faculty tutorials, and you do independent research projects. They don't have like traditional majors. They have like groupings of majors it's extremely Um, exclusive yes so the players in this story because there's a lot and i'm not even listing every single person involved here but lawrence ray who is the biggest one talia ray who is lawrence's daughter uh the seven original roommates who include um someone named juliana who doesn't play a big part in this story not that she wasn't a big part of it, but like the article, not everyone participated in the article. Not everyone agreed to give interviews for various reasons. Um, she just didn't. So there's not as much information about her. And that's the same with a lot of these other people. Um, Isabella, Claudia, Daniel, who did give interviews for the article. So a lot of it is from his perspective and we have more details about what happened to him. Versus some of the other people. Um, other people involved who weren't in it from the very beginning are uh, Santos, Elita, and Felicia, who are siblings. Um, Lee Chen and Bernard Carrick. You might recognize that name. Not uh, sure if you will. Not yet. All right. So the story. Holy shit. So it is recent. It plays out from 2010 to 2020, like I said. Begins in 2010 at Sarah Lawrence. So Talia Ray is a sophomore at Sarah Lawrence. And most of her friends, fellow sophomores, were 19 to 20 years old 
And they're basically kids. Yeah, right. Um, she was a little bit older than them. She started school a little later than them, but she became like the unofficial friend group leader. You know, there's always that person. Yeah, sort of like uh, implicit <laughs> alpha. <laughs> yeah. So she had organized the living arrangements for that year, and they were going to be living in Sloanham Woods 9, which is a two-story brick dorm building right in the middle of campus. So come late September, so still like beginning of the year, um, she tells her roommates that her dad is getting out of jail and will be living with them for a while. Huh? To which, <laughs> to which I wrote, okay, just hold on a minute here. <laughs> if I'm in college, I definitely don't want to live with anyone's dad <laughs> and super definitely not in a dorm room. That, wait, is it, it's not a, is it a. Well, it's a dorm building. So all of them are in the building. Right. But he's staying in the common room or he'll sleep on the floor in his daughter's room sometimes. This has to be against some kind of rules. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. We'll kind of get to that later. Um, sounds pretty strange to like pretty much anybody else. But Talia's friends had heard about her father since they've known her. She speaks glowingly of him. She says he's a truth teller silenced by powerful men. He went to prison or jail for heroically trying to save her and her sister from her abusive mother. And um, he was incarcerated due to government corruption. I'll address all these things later. I'm but sure. this is what she's told her roommates yeah. about her dad. So they're like, no, clearly big part of her life. Hard times. He needs a place to like get set up. It's already so much larger than life, though, that, like, you'd be skeptical, wouldn't you? I would be. Yeah. But, again, these are, like, 19, 20-year-olds, and if you haven't had a lot of experiences, you know, you believe a friend. Yeah. Um. So, at first, some of the roommates were suspicious, specifically Claudia, but they eventually came around. So, things start out okay. Ray quickly adopted the rule of house. Daddy's making nice dinners for everyone, ordering expensive takeout, does all the cleaning, um, takes the kids under his wing. He's offering them advice. Otherwise, known as love bombing. Yeah, right. Making them feel really great, really comfortable with him being there. So he, he tells them lots of grandiose stories, um, tales of him being a government agent, um, being an international CIA agent, recovering stinger missiles off the black market, engineering a ceasefire in Kosovo, referencing relationships to high-ranking Marine officials, and he espouses Marine values. For all they knew, he had been a Marine. Um yeah. He was very into that. So, again, more on those claims later. I, a certain part of this, I want to, like, tell you what happens and then come yeah. back and fill in well, no, some yeah. details. You're, you're, you're narratively giving us the story in the order that they receive it, too. Yeah. Because I'm sure that they also start right. with this and end up <clears> with a very different understanding of this guy. So Talia's roommates learned that Ray is a good listener. He engages them in deep conversations. He screened things like the cosmos in the living room. They'll like sit on the floor and on the couches and watch it and then have deep discussions afterwards about the universe. Um, okay. Several, I want, this is in bold. I need to put this out here right now. Several of these young adults already struggled with depression and a lot of the typical problems that you deal with as a young person navigating college. Mm. See also um, millennials. Yeah. But like 
Things like dealing with your roommates, dealing with relationships. Claudia and Santos suffered from depression already. Um, Daniel recently, Daniel went through a breakup during all of this and was exploring his sexuality and questioning whether or not he was actually gay. Isabella went through a difficult breakup soon after Ray moved in. Mm -hmm. They are so young. This, this is, is a vulnerable population, and some of them might be particularly vul vulnerable because they already are dealing with a lot of mental health issues. Yeah. It's a heavy thing to deal with, and... I mean, we're talking about kids at, like, 20, right? 19 or 20. I mean, like, you remember yourself at that age. Yeah. It's... I mean, weren't we all a mess? Yeah. So at the end of that sentence, I wrote, fuck you, Lawrence Ray. <laughs> <laughs> well... I'm going to call him Larry or Ray at okay. this from now on, by oh, the way. Okay. So the manipulation begins. Ray told these young people that they were brought together in life because they had a shared obsession with taking their own lives. Now, at this point, and Santos wasn't an original roommate, but of the original players in this story, the only one of them who had ever attempted suicide before meeting Lawrence Ray was Santos. So him telling these kids that they had a shared obsession with taking their own lives is unfounded. There's no evidence that they actually feel that way. Right, but, but they're all kind of they all putting that on them. But they all have some kind of depression, so it's like not that hard for them to kind right. of justify that. And it doesn't. Head. It's not like you walked in the door and went, "Hey, y'all are obsessed with taking your own lives, and that's why you're here." It's like he's already made himself the father figure. They already trust him at this point. And he's love bombed the shit out of them. So and he's laying down like them. life lessons, and they're primed to accept, accept that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I've never been paying more attention to you than I am right now. This is this is <laughs> this very is intriguing. just the beginning. So Ray starts having counseling sessions with them um, individually and eventually also group sessions. Um, and specifically, he helped Isabella process her breakup. And apparently she was struggling with it a lot. Um, a lot of her roommates described her as being very fragile. Um, he often convinced them that they had experienced traumatic abuse. Like all he did this to all of them, usually by the hand of a family member or close family friend. And we would know this as a, a distancing tactic, right? Mm -hmm. Like oh, isolating yes. people from their support system. Push the family back a little bit, question their So before winter break, Larry calls Isabella's family. And told her mom that as a child, Isabella had been abused by a family friend. And if Isabella went home for break, she might commit suicide. So she wasn't going to be going home. And he told her mom, you let this happen to her. All of this shocked Isabella's mom because she was very close with her daughter. And she had never been told any of this. Mm -hmm. Like, she had never heard this before at all. It's noteworthy, though. He makes the call. Isabella does. He makes the call. So... I'm going to give a little sneak peek into the future. From this point on, um, Isabella's mom has not seen her since then. This is probably in 2010. Um, when you started with the missing girls of Sarah Lawrence. Missing kids, yeah. Missing kids. I mean, I Or knew. lost. How did I? Lost. Stolen. Stolen. <laughs> Man, every variety. Anyway, yeah. When you started with that, I assumed that some people were going to turn up missing. We'll get there. Um, so she has not seen her daughter really since then. Um, after winter break, 
Talia is, oh, hold on. I skipped ahead. Okay. Hold on. Boop, boop, boop. Where'd I go? There's so much writing on this page. Yeah. Um, I kind of think you can't talk about the, the in-depth, like, <clears throat> abuse of, like, six or more people without writing a lot down. Oh, yeah. It's, it was really hard to make something that made sense. The, I will say the article is really well written, and I still left stuff out. I mm-hmm. tried to include as much as I feasibly could. Um, But it's just, like, it was hard to organize it in the way that I wanted to tell it when there's just so much. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So over winter break, because it's a college, you can't stay in the dorms over the breaks. So over winter break, Ray rented a one bedroom condo on East 93rd street from his friend Lee Chen. He shared this with Talia and his daughter and her boyfriend at the time and Isabella. Ray dictated how and when they would eat, sleep and what they would do. After winter break, Talia's boyfriend broke up with her because he found this whole situation disturbing. He was not okay with it, and he he breaks up with her and leaves the situation. Is it Talia's boyfriend. Yes, that's okay. that's Ray's uh, Larry Ray's daughter. Okay. So spring semester, they move back into Slonem Nine, and Ray moves back in with them. So at this point, it's I'd like, be why like, is "Dad, moving back in." Well, here's here's the question. I'm a student. This dad had moved in to get on his feet. Right. But clearly he can get an apartment because he had one. Right. We, like, so we, why is he moving back in? It's been established now that he can get his own place. Yes. It's and no he's longer... showering you with like expensive dinners and yeah, stuff like, the... like that. He has money. And I didn't I didn't specifically touch on it here, but they do discuss in the article where his supposed income where his income supposedly comes from. But it was just one thing. I, it wasn't necessary. It's, it's been, he has money. It's been established. He could yeah. get his own place. Anyway, he moves back in. Who knows why? Everyone was okay with this. He continued the family dinners and the house meetings. But now the house meetings start to feel mandatory. Um, he lectures them on Q4P, also known as Quest for Potential, which is a possible future episode. I didn't look into it too much. Oh, is it like uh, kind of like a self-help it's like seminar a, type it's a thing? It's philosophy. Yeah. Okay. So it's a philosophy by Larry's friend, David Birnbaum, who is a Diamond District dealer, but also made up this philosophy. He has lots of YouTube videos and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the main facet in the is all energy in the universe is powered by the quest for potential that that means absolutely nothing to me word soup yeah so claudia initially distrusted ray but she was intrigued by his ideas and eventually she engaged in his counseling sessions daniel also found ray's philosophies to be incoherent incoherent and found it strange that claudia suddenly began to buy in but by the end of the year, Daniel's relationship was falling apart. He you was said Daniel and Claudia. I'm I'm really sorry. I just like I, there's a lot are, of names. Yeah, these are all just names. So like they're both. Daniel was a roommates. suicidal one, or the no. one that he said. No. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Daniel was the so one. Hard. Daniel was the one who I said would have a breakup and question his sexuality. Gotcha. Santos, who comes into the story a little later, was the one who had been um, suicidal before he met. Gotcha. Larry Ray and Claudia. Claudia was another one of the original roommates. Gotcha. Sorry. I just, I know if I'm having a hard time keeping all the names straight, maybe the listeners are too. So. Yeah. It's, it's just like I, trying to like create I identities for them in my head. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, it's a little easier when you read it. <clears throat> and maybe you see some faces. Hard. Yeah. Well, then there weren't any. Mm. Um, 
So his Daniel's relationship fell apart. He's questioning his sexuality. Right. So uh, all the friends say, you should really talk to Ray about this. He's a great listener. I think he could really help. So they go to a coffee shop. They sit down, talks to Ray. And Daniel felt really validated talking to like, I mean, someone who's essentially like a real macho guy, Mm -hmm. like he felt really validated and, and Ray insists to Daniel, he's like, you're 100% straight. I could tell. Okay. I was going to ask what you meant by validated. And and, and I I could see that like basically validated his feelings about the breakup and, and everything just like to have someone and have another man listen to your concerns Mm -hmm. and your emotions is some, a good feeling. There may be some underlying current of like not wanting to believe that he's gay if that's yes. on the table. So yes. this so, big macho dad. So Larry says, I 100% can tell you you're straight because I can tell that you're straight. I'm not sure how that, that works. That whatever. doesn't work. But it's anyway. reverse gaydar. Yeah. So Ray uh, suggests that Daniel move into the apartment with him for the summer. And so he, he didn't want to go home. Um, so he did. So this is a a great New York quote. If you want to know what it's like to live in New York, especially as a young person with very little money, this is all you got to know. This is a quote from Daniel that was in the article. Part of why I got in a cult at all was because I had no idea how one finds a place to live in New York. Yeah. And, and that's basically what happened in this case. He, he didn't want to go home, Mm -hmm. but he was offered a place to live in this apartment with them. And so he did. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of young people move to New York with very little idea of how to make it there. And mm-hmm. then you slog it out. And if you, you work, if you, you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. If you can. Yeah. No. <laughs> so like it's yeah, it's definitely not easy. I think yeah. I think a lot of people fall into whatever living situation they can yeah. find. Yeah. It's very hard. And the, this one isn't great. This is a one bedroom apartment with multiple people living in it. Right. Um, but not that uncommon in New York, I bet. Not uncommon in New York, I'm sure. So that summer, every morning they wake up to the song Baba O'Reilly, the implication being that Ray would navigate them through these teenage wastelands they're experiencing. Oh my God. Again, they have family meals and movie nights. He bought them expensive clothes and shoes occasionally. They have steak dinners at upscale steakhouses. He has a limo driver on call all hours of the day and night. Whoa. Um, just if they just want to go somewhere, not even necessarily somewhere special. They often go in a limo. Um, on nights that they stayed in, though, they would have a late dinner. Mm-hmm. And they would have these basically group therapy sessions. I bet they would go very late. I bet they would be very exhausting mm-hmm. and break. And them then down. they'd wake up to Baba O'Reilly. Oh my god! Okay, so for what it's worth, I'm just a brief detour here. I used to do when I was in church. I used mm-hmm. to do these like mission trip type things. Mm-hmm. Okay, where they send you somewhere, and even though you're a, a fucking knucklehead kid who doesn't know how to hammer a nail, mm-hmm. you work on someone's house who's yeah. poor. And then somewhere. you fear for the structure of that person's house. Right. So <laughs> there's like a bunch of kids running around who don't know how to screw a screw or cut a board. Right. In there, and and then you you see so you work in the sun all day. You eat a shitty little lunch. You go back and have church like for most of the night. Mm-hmm. You're up really late. And then they wake you up 
at like six in the morning. And you have to go again. And it, it because you're staying in a school, which is how they were able to do these things, is like schools are vacant over the summer. So yeah. they let kids stay in schools. So they blast some horrible music to wake you up in the speakers and they flip all the lights on and it repeats for like a whole mm-hmm. week. And then you start to feel like a real sense of like camaraderie with the people you're with and yes. you're not you don't have contact with people at home. And you're very tired. You're writing letters to people at home. Even though they're not sending them, like you're going to bring them to give to them. So you're reminded that you're not around your family. Yeah. You're made to be very, very tired, very emotional. I'm going to say that is a very possible manipulative situation there. That's very scary. It's it's done on purpose, though, because they want to break people down and it's fucked. Mm -hmm. So sorry. I just had to say, like, I know what this feels like a little bit. Well, here's I don't I this isn't skipping ahead too far, like another couple sentences, but it's come down comes down to sleep deprivation yeah, right. exactly. it is a tactic that is used it's on purpose and isolation yeah but so um they would have these late night group therapy sessions but basically one person would come under fire for something that ray perceived as an intentional slight and these could be things like they scratched a pan or they broke a plate yeah like accidents you know and these are young kids they don't know not to use the scrubby brush on that you know it's like shit that just happens when you have several people living in a one bedroom apartment yeah um so Ray's explanation of these things that were clearly a slight against him is that either they were a manifestation of childhood trauma or they were evidence of sabotage. And in that case, they had to write letters to Larry confessing their wrongs and their attempts at sabotage. Uh, and Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And when you look at the letters, which I didn't get to see, but according to the article, all of these letters contain nearly identical language, mm-hmm. which means to say they're obviously very coached. They're, they're starting to learn like a framework for yeah. how to see the world. So in these sessions, the whole group would interrogate them. And the session wouldn't end until a dramatic enough conclusion or confession was reached in the form of a breakthrough. Reminds me of Landmark. Remember Landmark? Mm-hmm. They actually mentioned Landmark in yeah. this. Or, or no, they, they mentioned Nexium uh, in yeah. something I read about it that it was similar to all Nexium. All these Nexium, yeah. Landmark, all these things. There's a lot of similarity. Yeah. So Daniel played the ukulele. And in one of these sessions, one of his breakthroughs was that he played the ukulele. Because of some trauma perpetrated by his father. I don't know why these things are related. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but these breakthroughs were, off, according to Daniel, often made up to end the session. Because it was, they oh, were sleep yeah. deprived. It was going so late that you'll just say anything. It's, it's the, for the same reason. Hoping that it's enough for him to be like, okay, that's, that's it. The same reason we don't use information obtained through torture for interrogation. Yeah. It's just people will say anything to make it stop. Yes. So um, one of the big ones is another quote. This is from Daniel. I said when I was a kid, I found a baby bird in my driveway and it was injured and I held it in my hand and crushed it. I claimed this was a traumatic thing that formed me. The story was entirely made up, but it ended the session. Fuck. I very much understand. That's like so dark. Yeah. So again, sleep deprivation is at play here. He's already love bombed them, starting to isolate them. Um, so Ray encourages healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle, though he lauded the benefits of amphetamine use and took amphetamines in such amounts that he barely slept himself. Mm. Um, Claudia in particular 
took to his recommendations. And her parents who lived in the city noticed a big change in her. She was unhappier with her appearance more so than she'd ever been before. Um, she was saying things that sounded like Larry, like espousing marine values, like yeah. this twenty-year-old girl. Yeah, like you start um, to you start to recognize when other people like when they're language when they're not changes. yeah when they're not speaking their own language or yeah. using someone else's. Um, and she started to um, disparage her parents and the way they ran their household, and they were really concerned that Ray was living in the dorms, living on campus, and spoke to the dean of student life, Alan Green, mm-hmm. who said there was no evidence Ray was living there, and that parents were allowed to visit despite other complaints they'd received. And I want to say at this point that Sarah Lawrence's official statement is that they've received no complaints about Larry Ray and had no idea what was going on at the time. I find that hard to believe. And I think this seems like very considering that her parents say that they had complained. Claudia herself at one point had complained to the dean at the very beginning that she was uncomfortable with him being there. This is they were aware of the situation and nothing was done. Sarah Lawrence is someone has something to play a role in this. The communication like chain may have broken down somewhere, but someone was told they they are responsible in some way. Yeah, obviously not for all of it, but. If things had been handled differently, the situation could have ended a lot sooner. Yes. They're liable somehow. Yes. So um, at this point, Ray uh, turns his attention to Daniel's sexual education. So, again, he's he's questioning his sexuality. Oh, no. Um, So Larry encouraged Isabella to kiss Daniel. Daniel Uh. didn't know that at first that Larry encouraged this. He thought it was Isabella doing it of her own volition so they start you know some kind of physical relationship and after a few weeks larry ushered them into the bedroom for them to have sex while he watched Uh, this happens multiple times and eventually larry also participates uh, Um, daniel felt weird about the whole situation specifically this and the living situation but no one seems to have any issues so he figured he was the outlier which is his own personal failing and so he just leaned into it because everyone else seems okay. Why am I just not feeling it? I remember feeling like that when I was trying to understand why the religion thing just wasn't working for me. One of the things that I don't want in my bedroom uh, while I'm having <laughs> sex is some dude named Larry. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. Noted. Uh, <laughs> so I, I put this in bold too. Daniel now recognizes there was no consent in this situation and that Isabella was also being twisted by Larry, too. Yeah. Like, he knows that they were both being manipulated by Larry. But at the time, it must have been... At the time, he thought that Isabella wanted to make out with him, you know? He, he thought that was her choice. Oh, my God. It's like the cruelest, most awful version of that thing where someone yeah. punk takes someone to prom. <sighs> it's horrible. Uh. Um, so... Um, Daniel and Claudia leave to go study abroad in England. Claudia now writes a letter to Dean Green, who had met with her parents at one point, stating she completely takes back her former concerns about Larry Ray being a bad, dangerous, manipulative and sexually deviant man, which is very specific. It's very hard to take back those serious claims. Yeah. And she says that she was tricked by Larry's ex-wife. Um. I'm going to say no evidence is that that they've actually ever interacted. Mm -hmm. And I will get back to like the situation with his ex-wife much later. Yeah. Careful. But that is her explanation that she was basically put up to it. Okay. So Claudia and Daniel are are living abroad in England 
and, you know, studying abroad there, but they would occasionally meet up with each other to join in on Skype sessions with everyone back home. Okay. And in some of these sessions, Larry coached them through sex. So they come back to New York uh, for winter break and they move into the apartment for that and then they go back to England. And then when they come back for the summer, Larry welcomes them back to the apartment for the summer. So then school starts again. There's a lot of moving back and forth. So if I say the apartment, they're in the apartment on 93rd Street that's owned by Chen. That's the apartment. Yes. If I say the dorm, that's Slonem Woods 9. And that's during the school year. So if they're at the apartment, that's during the school year or after they've graduated. And if they're in the dorms, that's during school. Wait, wait. You just said that weird. Wait, if they're in the apartment, it's off school season. Yes. If, or after they've graduated from school. Because sure. this continues after. And just to be super clear again, this is the apartment that he rented in on the 90-something street 93rd on Street on the east side gotcha. from his friend Lee Chen. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. So... Um, school starts again. Um, I guess at this point, I, I shouldn't have been so decisive about that. At this point, they decide to stay in the apartment and not move back into campus. I didn't okay. realize that. So Daniel stays in the apartment. Claudia gets on campus housing, but she visits often and remains close with Larry. Um, Larry starts doing his own renovations to the apartment, including removing door handles on bathrooms. So nobody has any privacy. Oh, my God. Um, but at this that's, point, that's actually the worst thing that you've said yet. Yeah. To me. <laughs> yeah. This is horrible. This is Dave Dragowski's Dave bathroom Dr- nightmare. Dave Dragowski's actual real life bathroom nightmare. Living with other people that you aren't necessarily there's particularly no, close no, with. And there's, there's no, no handles. And, if there's no handles, there's a hole in the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can't poop. So it's would die, would die, (laughs) would die of too much poop. Yeah. Um, It's at this point well established that Larry's actions are always for a good reason. So no one questioned it. They just go with it because they've they've already been so manipulated at this point that they don't even it's not even a big deal. Right. Um, So Daniel's relationship with his parents declines. And at some point, Daniel's parents can't get in touch with him reliably. And Daniel's dad writes him a letter. And in this letter, this is a quote. He says, this only seems to happen when you're at Larry's, but I can't figure it out. Are you in a trance? Drugs? Like his family clearly knows there's something wrong and it has to do with Larry. And their minds go to the natural places. Right. But like if you can't communicate with your kid, you can't get the start. Like he doesn't know what's going on. I feel very bad for all the parents here. Um, That's horrible. Claudia's parents continue to have similar concerns. At one point, Larry and Claudia visit, and they accuse Claudia's mother of not loving Claudia because she, her her mom, had lost a female child before she had Claudia and was still mourning. This isn't true. Claudia's mom says, I was ecstatic when I had Claudia. I wanted a daughter. Like, Of course she was. Yes. Um, so Claudia took Larry's side when he's accusing her mom of this, and that's the moment her parents knew they'd lost her. Um, that makes me really sad. Yeah. This story is so sad and so fucked up. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> it goes places. It also feels like kind of important. I think it is. And the only places I could see that had talked about it were the cut and like New York magazine, which is obviously this is a very New York centric story. Right. But 
Like, how, like is, how this, is this went on for 10 years and the article came out in April 2019 and I just now heard about it because a recent update was made. It's very strange to me that this is not. How are we not talking about more this? More on the front of our minds. Yeah. So at this point, um, it, what we're going to talk about next is particularly awful. And if you need to skip ahead a little bit, I understand, but it's going to address some um, very, very bad physical abuse in sexual abuse of Daniel. Mm. Um, we got very emotional talking about it, and I just felt the need to come back and give a warning. So in case you have to skip that part, you can skip that part. If you want to skip this stuff, go ahead to an hour, 26 minutes, and 40 seconds. So, senior year. Talia misses her law school deadline. Uh, Larry blames Daniel for distracting her. Daniel will not confess to this in session. Um, wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. So Talia misses her law school deadline. Okay. Like to apply for law school. Oh, okay. And Larry blames Daniel for distracting her. But although Daniel has established that at times he would just make shit up to end sessions, yeah. he will not admit to doing that because he absolutely didn't. And he knows, I'm right. sure he could tell that Larry was very mad about this and yeah. was like, I'm not admitting to that. And it's a big, it's also like a huge, like it's a but, huge accusation that you would do that. And, and, and at this point, these are the only people that they have. Right. So They've been isolated of, from their parents and other friends. To and, be accused of hurting each other in this massive way must yeah. feel like a bridge too far. It's like a powder keg, right? Like, yeah. So Larry constructs what he calls a garrote from small. Garrote? Garrote. G-A-R-O-T-E. Yeah, I never know how to pronounce that. I think that. it's a garrote. All right. Well, I've whatever. He, can, he constructs one of those. Um, from small balls of aluminum foil wrapped in saran wrap. Um, oh, Daniel no. refers to it as like a necklace. It almost looks like a necklace. So this, the, the foils wrapped in like a thin layer of saran wrap and connects them all together. Um, which he then, it, this is graphic, I'm sorry, which he then made Daniel wrap around his penis and testicles, which cut off the circulation to his genitals and cut into his skin. Yeah, that's the reaction incredibly fucked up um at one point larry held a knife over a kneeling daniel but and threatened to dismember daniel and the reason he did that was because daniel supposedly had damaged the oven um so it's like taking i, I no longer care the correct way to pronounce garot yeah i have different concerns entirely. it's taking less and less provocation for bigger and bigger violent reactions um, on one of his last visits, this, this is very, very disturbing. I'm sorry. Uh, on one of his last visits, Daniel confessed that he was still questioning his sexuality. Larry made him put on one of Talia's dresses and tells him to go get mail from the lobby. That's bad enough. But to humiliate him. Yeah. So he comes back. And when he comes back, Larry has a dildo and orders Daniel to penetrate himself with the dildo while his friends watch and laugh. So Daniel follows orders and says he was horrified, scared, and crying. Sorry. This is a lot. Holy shit. This is a lot. Sorry, that's really bad. <laughs> so in spring semester 2013. Oh I almost feel like we need a break. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Do you want to take a little break? I mean, I don't, I just, I can't believe it's 
it's not even over. This is all really bad. But we get the most information from Daniel because Daniel participated the most in the article. Yeah. So but, we don't even know the entirety of the abuse. But I, I on think we else. should consider if he was doing this to Daniel, who was doing equally horrible things to everybody else. Except maybe his daughter, but everybody else involved was being horribly abused. This is um, this is probably this uh, is the worst most, thing we've ever talked about. <laughs> well, we, I don't know. It's you know what it is is we've never we talk about abuse and manipulation a lot. Yeah. But I think it's worth noting that we often talk about stuff like this from a distance, relatively distance. Yes. Right. You put a little bit of space in between you and something by, by not, not personalizing it to the extent. And also often from the distance of time, but like the, these people who were in this abusive situation are two years younger than us. Yeah. When this was happening, when this started in 2010, I had just graduated college. Yeah. This is not far from my life experience. Like, this could have happened to people we know. Yeah. And it's it's horrible. And a lot of times we also try not to talk about the graphic stuff, but I feel like if Daniel wanted people to know this, he interviewed in the article, it's important to talk about how fucking bad it was. Um. So I'm sorry. No, I think uh, no, I'm uh, I just it, I just it felt like we needed to take a second because I I don't know, like we don't typically get this we don't get anecdotal. super emotional. I don't know, I don't know and, how to put yeah. it. Like, we don't get like this uh <sighs> close to the specifics of the violence perpetrated on people. Yeah. So just <sighs> Okay. You ready to go back in? Yep, let's move. Okay, so spring semester 2013, after that last experience, that was basically the breaking point. Um, Daniel moves into on-campus housing and stops responding to calls and texts from the group. Good job, Daniel. Good job, Daniel. Um, He's attempting to heal. He has a really difficult time getting therapy he knows he needs because so much of the torture was a bastardization of therapy and counseling. I'll touch back on Daniel right. and catch up on that later. That's another section. Right. I, I just have to tell you, the like, the only thing that's propelling me forward here without being completely doomed is that he was interviewed for the article. Yes. The fact that I know at this point that he He's at least somewhat relatively okay and he's alive. It's encouraging. <sighs> so according to the landlord, Chen, uh, Larry choked out Santos, which... The the article isn't very clear about when Santos enters the situation, but at some point he did live with them and he was involved. Um, so Larry choked out Santos multiple times until he passed out or almost passed out or no, until he passed out. And then he would up, upon Santos coming to Larry would say, did the darkness envelop you? Which is really fucking scary. Yeah, it is. Um, so at some point in here, Santos introduced his sisters to Larry oh, in, no. in fall 2011, uh, his sister Yelitsa, who was a Columbia undergrad and his sister Felicia, who's the oldest was a Harvard graduate and had gone to Columbia med school and had started her residency in LA. Larry convinces her people are after her and out to get her. And she abandons her residency program and moves to New York and moves in with Larry. And they begin a romantic relationship. Oh, 
no, 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 no. Uh, Larry has referred to Felicia and Isabella both as his wife at various points. Um, he has a long history of manipulating women. Uh, he's been known to offer up former girlfriends for sex to other men, like using them as a bargaining chip. He sent graphic pictures of his girlfriend to her parents when she tried to leave him. That was another girlfriend. Uh, when a different girlfriend broke up with him, he tried to get someone to install GPS tracker in her car for him. Um, he also... I just wanted to spell that's a very obvious pattern of behavior of how he treats a woman in his life. Um, he also manipulated his roommates for money. He concocted scenarios of the roommates owing him money because they supposedly damaged or stole things from him and said they had to pay him back. At one point, Santos wrote him an email detailing the supposed damages um, that he'd done to Larry's things which totaled up to $47,726.79. Um, okay. Santos threatened to commit suicide if his parents didn't give him money to pay off Larry Ray. His dad tried to go to the apartment to assess the damage to see what the actual legitimacy of this claim was, but Larry blocked him in the lobby. Yeah, they wouldn't let him in, of course. Um, so Santos's parents, fearing for his safety, give them as much money as they can, which was over $200,000 over the course of three years. Oh my and God. they had to sell their house. Oh, my God. They also went to the New York Police Department three times to no avail and basically got told their kids were adults and there's nothing they could do. Claudia's parents also went to the police with similar results. And after a wellness check that they requested, police concluded Claudia was there of her own volition. Her, their parents, her parents did not agree, but that was what they were. Doing. Our system is not set up to deal with this. Yeah. So that's another failing, another system that should protect. They're to protect and serve and they didn't. And I, they're not set up for this shit. We do not. We have don't a, handle this stuff, right? We don't have a great mechanism for. The, the, the adults being manipulated. Yeah. Like the, like what does of your own volition really mean yeah. there? We don't have great mechanisms to be like, okay, yeah, but this person has been. And here's the thing. Like, I'm sure Larry was in the house with them. You think they're going to say, I don't want to be here. And by that point, they'd all been so thoroughly manipulated and bought in so completely because they didn't have a choice that of course they think they want to be there. Um, so the end of senior year and they went, some of them went to Larry's father's house in North Carolina. Again, just lots of moving around. Um, the people who went were Yalitza, Felicia, Claudia, and Isabella. He made them install a new drainage system for him. So he forced them to do physical labor. He accused them again of causing damage to his father's house. And they all start asking friends and family for money. To pay Larry back. So in 2013, um, again, this is really dark. Yalitza attempts suicide by swallowing a whole bottle of Tylenol. And she goes to the hospital. And her parents visit uh, every day until one day they're stopped by security. And Larry's there. And the parents had to be accompanied by Larry if they wanted to speak to the doctors. Larry's being given information from the doctors and making suggestions to doctors. Are they actually married? I mean, no, I don't, th th they're I don't, not married. I don't understand how this is possible then. Mm -hmm. um, a quote from Yalitza. 
He was able to examine me when I was in a coma, look at lab results, and make suggestions to my medical team, Yelita later said in court. He saved my life. Again, she was still bought in at this point. There, there, are, there are legal... There are legal rules about who. <laughs> what I wrote at this point, Dave, is your medical information. This is so illegal. Just how? And I think so. Larry knows a lot of people, um, and he is very manipulative and charming. He's very good at it. Um, I don't know how he was able to achieve that because the system in place is supposed to prevent it. So that's yet another failing. <sighs> I, so, just I just can't. I'm and, actually and shocked. As a health worker, as a pharmacy technician, I've been trained on HIPAA yeah. and what you can and cannot say. Right. I've had family members yell at me because adult children, I cannot give their adult children's information to them. Yeah. That's the way it is, though. Like, I am protecting that person. Yeah. I just can't by following those rules. how they fucked up so bad. Well, it's not the only time, because in 2014, Claudia attempts suicide by swallowing a bottle of Tylenol. Oh, my God. And her parents say it's sim a similar experience to what we just talked about. Claudia will only speak to Larry, and the nurse tells the parents they've seen Larry before. So the nurse recognizes Larry yeah. and is like, yeah, this situation has happened before, but to no avail. Can't do anything. So... According to family and friends, I'm, this is repeating something, but for good reason. So according to family and friends, only Santos had ever tried to take his own life before meeting Larry. Mm -hmm. Since then, Isabella, Yelitsa, and Claudia have all attempted suicide some multiple times. And Larry later estimates that their cumulative number of attempts is more than 12. But we know at least like four or five um, so Claudia starts working as an escort to pay back Larry what she owes him under a name that is a combination of his daughter's names. Uh, that is so fucked. Yep. Yep. So Chen at this point sues to evict Larry. He has concerns over the treatment of the young roommates that he's witnessed and the renovations that Larry has made to the apartment. Larry countersues with Felicia, Isabella, and Talia as cloak co-plaintiffs and um claudia yelitsa and isabella are witnesses in the case so their testimony is incredibly bizarre and i want to get out ahead of this and say that most of the things that they testify to there doesn't seem to be any evidence of them actually being legitimate these are born from Larry's own paranoias that he has convinced them of. Mm -hmm. And I will touch on those a little later about why he has those paranoias. So um, Larry's attorney asked Claudia how long she'd known Larry. Now, we know she met him in 2010, right? Mm -hmm. So she starts talking about this elaborate conspiracy theory and says that she, she met him or became aware of him for the first time at the age of nine. That she heard her grandfather talk about Larry making trouble. Um, that she knew Carrick and Mayor Rudy Giuliani what? were involved. I come back to this later and explain all of this. It's going to sound totally insane and not have context. So I'm sorry, but I will address it later. That's, that's right. Um, 
And so much of it isn't contextualized. It is nonsense. So Larry's mother, she says Larry's mother contacted Claudia's mother and told her to send Claudia to Sarah Lawrence to hurt Larry and Talia. Um, she also says Larry is the nicest, most compassionate man I've ever met. Um, she says after, uh, enrolling in Sarah Lawrence, she received money from Bernard Carrick and that Carrick ordered Claudia to poison Larry using arsenic, cyanide, mercury, silver, and lead that Larry's mother told Claudia that Bernard Carrick was happy with Claudia's performance. And then her targets were expanded to include, um, poisoning Isabel and Talia and more. She also says she grew to care for Larry despite poisoning him and she felt that testifying on his behalf in this trial was her penance or part of her penance. So Yulita's testimony is pretty similar. Um, though she says her parents were drug dealers. Um, they were not. Um, she says they pimped out her sister, Felicia. They did not. Um, she says she poisoned Larry using various substances. I also did not see anything in the article that seems to, to justify that, anyone is actually poisoning him there doesn't really seem to be proof of this aside from larry's own claims um so she says she poisoned larry using various substances including heroin fungicide lsd and at one point fecal matter in bandages they did not go into details as far as why or how or any context um she attempted suicide again in 2013 she says it was because she felt guilty about the poisonings um, she also says her parents offered her $1 million for poisoning Larry. They clearly didn't even have that much money because they gave it all to Larry and Ev had to sell their house. Every bit of this is absurd it's on its face. Um, Isabella, who is still deeply entrenched and is like very close to Larry and is not one of the ones that he says is doing the poisoning or anything. So the only testimony of hers that the article really talks about is that she says that Larry's a father figure. All of this is part of the countersuit against the landlord, right? Yes. Okay. Which is like, imagine being, <coughs> someone is being sued for eviction and this, this is what's being talked about. The amount of just like, wait, what the fuck is happening what, in that courtroom? In, what in the hell was the judge thinking? And how did this not get investigated from this point? Because this is not when it started to be investigated. That what what's crazy to me is that anyone heard all this and didn't go, we need to get like, well, the FBI. Kind of. involved. OK, so Chen won the case, though it took another year to get Larry out. Um, yeah, I don't know why they didn't start investigating at this point. I don't know why no one was concerned. I will say that the article that came out in April 2019 is what spurred the investigation into Larry. Gotcha. The article started the investigation. The article took Media place attention. after this. Media attention was a more effective draw for investigation and possible prosecution mm -hmm. than, than, than the legal being system. Than the legal system. I'm sorry. I just can't believe yes, that. that these, these, these people were failed in so many ways. In so many ways. <sighs> okay. So September 2015, D. Tomasano who I haven't spoken of yet. I will briefly later. He is a friend of Larry's who runs a large construction firm, I believe in New Jersey. Um, he assaults Larry in the lobby of the Hudson hotel. Larry attempts to, um, Larry's attempts to prove the plot against him. 
continue with like start back up with renewed vigor at this point. He writes a letter to U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, mm. and he met with a special agent for the EPA, telling them to investigate the poisonings against him and Felicia and Isabella. They get a lot of crazy letters, I'm sure. Yeah, and um, well, he met with him. He didn't just write a letter to the agent of the EPA. He met with that oh my one. God. He also created a website documenting Claudia's confessions, including a recorded video in which Claudia says she's recording it of her own volition because she believes in telling the truth. The thing is, that's what <clears throat> people who are held captive by terrorists say. Yep. You can't trust that. Mm-hmm. So Larry firmly believes he's being plotted against, that he, Felicia, and Isabella are being poisoned. He blames almost everyone else in his life, including his own parents um, and his ex-wife. He says Santos, Elita, and Claudia are behind the poisonings. He admits to taking Claudia's money from her escort work, um, but is proud of her for trying to do the right thing to make up for what she did to him because Santos and Elita didn't try to make up for it. Um, he feels he's done nothing wrong, and he claims that his intentions are honorable. This this is the author of this article interviewed him. She was like in contact with him. That for scares this the hell out of me. I would never want to get close enough to this person to have a conversation. Not I wouldn't even want him to have my phone number. Larry Ray has devastated lives, and they say this in the article too. Larry Ray has devastated lives. He's a fucking tornado. Many people involved would not give interviews for fear of retribution, and which at this point I wrote much of this article focuses on details according to Daniel because he actually talked in the article. So, like, thank goodness for Daniel. Imagine how many untold people. Yeah. Yeah, so so now we're going to get into who the fuck is Larry Ray and how did this happen and why is he paranoid of these like attempts on his life and what the fuck is happening. So Lawrence Ray, who was born Lawrence Greco in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn in 1959, he eventually took his stepdad's last name of Ray. He hung around politicians, top military officials, restaurateurs, business owners, possible mob ties. Um, Salvatore Sally Dogs Lombardi, who's a capo of the Genovese family, attended mm. Larry's wedding in 1988. Okay. I will point out along that's, the line possible yeah. mob ties. Well, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> when they come up. That's uh, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's weird for there not to be ties, right? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't just show up at people's weddings. Yes. Um. So this is a quote: Larry was a chameleon, says one person who knew him back then. He could be a good old boy or a patriot, or he'd pull out a pipe and fake glasses, and he'd be an intellectual. He would juggle ten different people at the same time, telling each of them one piece of a story he wanted them to know, and convincing them that he wanted them to be part of his master plan. So let's talk about what he did for work. That's I just felt that that was a great quote that provided a lot of context mm -hmm. of who he was. So for work, he uh, worked on Wall Street in the early 80s, despite the fact that he had no degree or real experience. Mm -hmm. um, he then became a business consultant for insurance, construction, gambling, and finance um, industries. Sure all sounds like mob stuff in New York. Yep. He claimed to be a partner in a popular Italian restaurant uh, that held fundraisers for politicians. He held fundraisers for politicians there, including Patrick Kennedy in 1993. 
-hmm. He was the co-owner of Malibu, which is a nightclub. This all sounds like mob stuff, right? 100%. Um, In Scotch Plains, New Jersey, he took meetings with Peter Gation in an attempt to buy Gation's Manhattan nightclubs, Tunnel and Limelight. Um, His friend, Frank Frank DiTomasano, ran a large construction firm, I believe, in New Jersey, Mob Ties. They're... There's a lot of shit. You were just watching a documentary the other day about how they were caught up yeah. in scandals with like. Um, in particular, the concrete business in uh, New York and, was fully and completely owned by the mob. Yes. Um, at one point, Frank hired Larry to make introductions because he was so well connected. Um, so he he could introduce him to people like New Jersey State Rep Bob Franks. Uh, prominent politicians, marine generals, and colonels. Um, so let's talk about his military service, such, mm. since he's such a big marine. Yeah, I was going to say, so I, don't, I don't even... I can't he even claimed to be involved. a marine, yeah. but the only only real military experience he appears to have is 19 days he spent in the Air Force in 1981. 19 days. Uh, discharged? I, they did not provide information on why he left or how he was discharged. Mm. I can't believe that... It wasn't for good reason. Sure. <laughs> like, I doubt he got injured in boot camp after 19 days, it's probably because he's a manipulative, abusive asshole. Yeah. Um, and not good at being yelled at. So he hung around prominent Marines like um, James L. Jones, a retired Marine commandant, and General Charles Pittman, who Larry says... Um, they planned an operation to capture and extradite Asada Shakur from Cuba. If you don't know who Asada Shakur is, she's a former member of the Black Liberation Army, which was a subset of mm-hmm. Black Panthers. Right. Um, she was convicted as an accomplice on first-degree murder of State Trooper Werner Forster during a shootout on the New Jersey Turnpike. Yeah, this is like Tupac's mom, right? No, but close. She's related. His, his mom died. She was a part of that. Okay. But she, um, Asada Shakur escaped from jail and fled to Cuba. She's Tupac Shakur's step aunt and godmother. Okay. Um, his mom was involved, but she was not. Yeah. Okay. The, she did not have the same charges placed against her. Gotcha. So, okay. And just to give you, cause it's also an interesting story why he would be trying to extradite her from Cuba. Mm-hmm. Believe still is not, has never been extradited. Wow. Um, so he says he has, he has worked for the CIA. He was trying to make inroads with the Russian economy that he contracted with the CIA and spent time in Russia, um, has affiliations with NATO. Um, he says officials dispatched him to Moscow in 1999, uh, to stop a bombing campaign in Kosovo. He has a letter on NATO letterhead thanking him for his efforts to ensure good communication and understanding between ourselves and the Russian leadership. Uh, the person who signed this letter, Chris Donnelly, who's a NATO official, says he remembers Larry being around and, quote, he was connected and may have made some calls for us, as many other people did at the time. I wrote a letter for anyone who was involved. Mm. So it's possible Larry was, well, it's clear Larry was involved, but the actual extent right. isn't very clear. So Bernie Carrick, who's a huge part of this, was an NYPD detective Um Larry met him in 1995, and he was a driver for Mayor Rudy Giuliani. 
He, at the time Larry met him, was recently promoted to the director of the New York City Department of Corrections Investigation Division. He was impressed by Larry because Larry was macho. He had all these connections and extremely charismatic. Uh, Larry later served as Carrick's best man in his wedding. Uh, Larry assisted in Carrick's professional advancement. And one way he did this is uh, he had made friends with Pavel Palachenko in Russia when he was there, mm-hmm. who is Mikhail Gorbachev's longtime interpreter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had become friends while in Russia. And in 1997, in New York, Larry and some friends hosted Gorbachev. So uh, Larry... 97. Yes. So this is well after the collapse of the Soviet Union. <laughs> yes. So Larry arranged for Gorbachev to sit down with Mayor Giuliani as a favor to Carrick. Mm. Um, also, at this time, when Gorbachev was in the States, Larry introduced him to Robert De Niro. And De Niro, this is from the article, De Niro remembers thinking it odd that this guy is the one who orchestrated the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they said about it, but he remembers being like, Okay, what the fuck is this dude? I was really sitting here going, but how does De Niro... That's how De Niro plays in. Okay. Not a big role, but he's involved. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say he's involved, but... (laughs) This story has everything. Everything. Literally, it does. (laughs) Um, So then, so, so he's really in Giuliani's good graces now with the help of Larry. Giuliani appoints Carrick to the commissioner of the Department of Corrections. So, okay. Larry at at this point starts acting as an FBI informant. Carrick introduces Larry to FBI agent Gary Ewer, and Larry claims he could provide information on mafia contacts. So I bet they, he actually could. Well, you'll see in a minute. So they they meet three to four times a week, and he does tell them about a pump and dump stock scheme that's going on. If you don't know that term, mm-hmm. uh, pump and dump is a scheme that attempts to boost the price of a stock through recommendations based on false, misleading, or greatly exaggerated statements. The perpetrators of the scheme already have an established position in the company's stock, and they sell their positions after the hype has led to a higher share price. Uh, Practice is illegal based on securities law and can lead to heavy fines. That's according to Investopedia, because I didn't know what it was either. Put more simply, buy a whole bunch of stock at 25 cents a share. Get convince everyone, other get people to, to buy, buy it, it so it's sell a dollar, your stock before it drops because it's a, worthless. Exactly. You just grow your money by lying to people about the yes. value of a company. Um, so there is this pump and dump, pump and dump, it's weird to say, stock scheme. <laughs> um, it just sounds dirty. It does. And Eddie Garaf- Garafola or Garafola, I don't know how to say his name, um, was a capo in the Gambino family. Mm-hmm. And Larry... Larry at this point claims that um, Eddie's put a hit out on him. And so the FBI spends $10,000 on the security system for Larry to protect him while he's an informant. But they end up concluding he's an unreliable informant. He just keeps dangling information in front of them and then would obfuscate and not actually give them anything useful. Mm-hmm. And Newer realizes that um, Larry is using his informant role as a cover for his own actual involvement, continuing involvement in the scheme. Yeah, right. Um, so in March 2000, he's indicted for securities fraud along with 18 others. 2000. Okay. Yes. So he's charged with agreeing to pay a hundred thousand dollars bribe to 
the executive of bond a bond brokerage on behalf of Eddie Garofola. Is this how he ends up in jail before this whole story begins? He's been in jail. He's been multiple times, but okay. that specific time right. was because of custody issues. Oh, okay. So he they didn't like put him away for ten years for this in two thousand. No. Okay. You'll see what they do. So he's he's charged with this. Um, Larry asked for leniency, saying, "I'm an FBI informant. I helped you." Uh, and the FBI acknowledges that Leary provided helpful background information, but nothing that helped in a significant way. And he also repeatedly lied to them, so they were not feeling in a very lenient yeah. mood. They're not super charitable when you yes. continually taunt them. <laughs> so he also says, well, wait, 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 be lenient because I also have helped the U.S. government in multiple ways. And he brings up the Kosovo thing. The letterhead and everything. Mm -hmm. And then he brings up Felix Sater. Um, who is like a Trump crony, but mm. Ura sent him to Russia to lure him back because he was a co-conspirator in this pump and dump scheme. Um, and Larry also said, hey, I also recovered Stinger missiles off of the black market for the U.S. government. And court doesn't give a fuck. They're like, no. Yeah. Um, so at this point, feeling desperate, Larry goes to his good friend Carrick and says, hey, please put in a good word with the U.S. Attorney's Office for me. I'm in a lot of trouble. At this point, Carrick has been um, promoted again, and he's now the commissioner of the NYPD. And he's like, listen, you know, I do anything for you. I cannot help you. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot do that. I'm sure this is an unforgivable slight. Yes. So Larry pled guilty and... He was charged in 2003 and given five years probation. Mm -hmm. Not bad, considering um, the judge, though he gives him just five years proba probation, the judge says that he is very aware that Larry manipulated the court. And if he violates his probation, he's going to throw the whole damn book at him, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, you be on your best behavior, because if you fuck up, I'm going to make you know you fucked up. Okay. So meanwhile, let's talk about Carrick again. So he was the uh, commissioner of the NYPD during 9-11. Okay. Obviously experiences some increased visibility at that point. Sure. Uh, makes TV appearances regularly, um, does a stint advising in Iraq. George Bush nominated him to be the secretary of Homeland, the Homeland Division in December 2004. He withdrew, he withdrew his nomination a week later well, like Depart um, Department of Homeland Security? Um, no, he withdrew his own nomination a week later well, saying... Well, George Bush nominated him for what? George Bush nominated him to be Secretary of the Homeland Division. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Is, <clears throat> is it the Department of Homeland Security? That's what it seems like. I don't know. Yeah, I'm assuming. Um, so a week later, uh, Carrick withdraws his nomination saying that he once employed an undocumented nanny. Okay. Um, I want to say it was something like days after he did that. A daily news article comes out. Larry's the main source and he makes a lot of claims and says basically airs a lot of Carrick's dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. Um, but a, a lot of it is things like Larry paid for Carrick's wedding. Larry purchased Carrick $4,300 in furniture. Larry gave him customized Tiffany police badge. <laughs> Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So it's all, it's still me, 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 me. Yeah. So, so Carrick is humiliated. His, at one point, New York City put his name on a jail. <laughs> they remove his name from the jail. 
Um, his affair with editor Judith Reagan comes out. Um, he comes under city, state, and federal investigations and ends up pleading guilty to felony tax and false statement charges in 2009. He serves three years in prison. And then in February 2020 is pardoned by Trump. Carrick. Carrick. Yeah. Carrick's life falls apart, gets in trouble for a bunch of shit he actually did do. He's not a good guy here. And um, is pardoned by Trump in this year. He's also tied to organized crime through New Jersey Construction Company, who worked on his apartment. That was something else that happened, uh, which was probably arranged by Larry as well, because he had that friend who owned the construction. So all this. After Carrick's perceived betrayal to Larry, um, Larry's targets become more personal and malicious. So the people he starts targeting... And this is before the beginning of our story. You could say his world is getting smaller in a yeah. sense. Like, you know. He, he once took on the FBI. He's eventually going to take on his daughter's roommates. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's because I think you could probably <laughs> argue he sees the value. He, he saw firsthand. He was Icarus. He flew too close to the sun. Yeah. And he saw what happened when he sunk all of his eggs into, you know, one basket. Mm-hmm. And that basket basically uh, <laughs> just you failed to intervene on his behalf later. Yeah. So, oh God! In 2004, uh, Larry's wife Teresa files for a divorce. About a few months later, she calls the police on Larry, saying that he hit her. The police show up. Larry and Talia, who's 15 at the time, accused Teresa of child abuse. Larry gets temporary custody. They they don't. New Jersey Child Welfare Department didn't take this lightly. They're like, okay, you take the kids. We're gonna figure this out. Mm-hmm. They also received several anonymous complaints about Teresa's abusive behavior, um, both physical and sexual. And Talia also accuses her grandfather, cousin, and aunt of abuse. Larry created websites. This guy loves creating websites. Wow. He also runs like a domain name scheme a, that he makes a lot of money off of. But I, I didn't feel the need to really talk about that a lot. I just thought this would be a terrible time to say, uh, we need to take an ad break. Wix is a great <laughs> website builder. It's GoDaddy is the it's domain <laughs> that he uses. Um, Easy to use tools. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, Squarespace. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. I'm really Larry sorry. Larry used it. A little levity, please. Yeah, it's it's necessary. Ugh. So, um, Larry creates websites including graphic accusations of the child abuse and letters from Talia that read like journal entries. Uh-huh. Um, he they so New Jersey Child Welfare Department determine the accusations are completely unfounded. Mm-hmm. The report concludes that Larry manipulated Talia. They believe all the reports of abuse to be false and that they are coached or rehearsed. And some evidence of this is when um, the four-year-old daughter, Ava, is asked about whether or not her mom has abused her. She giggles and says that's what her daddy tells her to say. So you you can't coach a four-year-old that well. I mean, they're four. Yeah, right. They kind of just tell the truth. They're just not that consistent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Oh, my God. Sorry. My mouth is dry. Lots of that's, talking. That's all right. Um, I I felt the need to, to quote this part of the article because it was very important, I felt like. Uh-huh. A psychological evaluation of the family members commissioned by Teresa's lawyers and submitted to the court characterized Larry as 
literally impossible to evaluate because he is able to manipulate and control almost any situation in which he finds himself, including a psychological interview with a forensic examiner, no matter how experienced that examiner may be. Mr. Ray is very good at what he does. The report went on to say that Larry can be utterly charming and one can be disarmed by his childlike simplicity and smile, but Mr. Ray is no child. He is calculating, manipulative, and hostile man. So this is on the court record. This dude scares me. He should. So uh, Larry was ordered by the court to turn his kids over to Teresa, and he refused. So he was charged with contempt and custody interference and spent six months in jail. Uh Talia refuses to stay with her mother and instead stays at shelters. Mm. So this is where the conspiracy plot comes in. Larry blames his undoing on Carrick. Um, He says Carrick aligned himself with Larry's former wife and Mayor Giuliani and used the family court against him. This is what he told conspiracy theorist A.J. Weberman for his book Homo Thug, The Secret Life of Rudy Giuliani. I'm sorry, his book? A.J. Weberman. It's called Homo Thug? It's called Homo Thug, The Secret Life of Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and preemptively give that an Amazon one star. Yeah. So, um, Larry says uh, judges, prosecutors, police, federal agents, his own lawyers were all working for Carrick. Um, But, like, why would Carrick do that? And Larry says... It seems well beneath him. Yeah, Larry says uh, either because of revenge or... Because they're trying to silence Larry because he knows 9-11 secrets. Oh, my God. Which Ugh. is in the beginning when I talked about Talia saying he's a truth teller. Right. This is why this context is important. I know it's a lot of detail. Yeah, we're really into the the, yeah. the weeds a bit. I'm sorry. No, I just... felt it was necessary, but it's a lot. <laughs> it, it helps explain why his kids would well, think his he's... His daughter, yeah. You know, his daughter thinks he's this... Hero. Yeah, exactly. Heroic, virtuous, noble. It's you need it to understand the context, but it is like a lot. The whole story is just a lot. From this point on, everything comes back to Carrick. Every bad thing that happens to Larry is somehow because of Carrick. In 2006, Larry is caught up on a domestic abuse charge of a girlfriend. Um, He violated probation. So here comes the book. Um, so Larry's now a fugitive. He's tracked to the East 93rd Street apartment. Uh, Talia and Larry are inside. Larry's arrested and Talia screams, police corruption. This is because of Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Bernard Carrick. And just think about how weird that would be if you're one of those police officers who knows nothing about this. Yeah, right. Um, you might even half believe it at some point. Be like, what the hell's going on here? And that just about brings us back to where this story began. Yeah. Obviously, he's in jail for all well, of that. So, and um, I, I think he did, and then I think that was when all this started. He got out, and yeah, it's a little. The timeline's a little unclear, but all this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about how this ends. Let's talk about the aftermath. Um, so Larry calls the reporter in April and well, says, uh, in "This wait in April." This I believe of this year. So this, or no, maybe no. In April, it must have been in the, 2019 before uh, the article came out. He wait. So he calls them. He 
They've reached out to him. They've already okay. done this. And this they're is about like to an write update. this article. Yeah. And okay. He says he lost touch with Santos and Yalitza. Their parents also haven't been able to contact them since 2013. Um, since that time, they got some information on Santos. Uh, sources say that he had spent time in Be- the Bellevue Hospital Psychiatric Center and lived in a homeless shelter as recently as 2016. His Their parents are devastated. They miss their kids. They don't understand how any of this happened. And they just want their kids to know that they love them and they forgive them. Like, they just, they're, like, devastated. Yeah. Um, it's like the basic, like... That's the boilerplate uh, script of the parents on the TV saying we just want our kid back. It's yeah. like, oh, God, it's so tragic. So Isabella, her like I said earlier, her mother hadn't seen her since Larry made that phone call. Um, occasionally, she calls her father to ask for money. Uh, at one point, her aunt traveled to New York to bring to try to bring Isabella home. And they went out to dinner. And Larry spoke for Isabella the whole time. She said Isabella seemed unfocused and Larry said she was sick and he was medicating her. Isabella told her aunt she didn't have to ask these questions and they made plans to meet up the next day. But Larry called and canceled. That was the last time she saw Isabella. That was probably relatively early on. Wow. Um, Daniel moved to New York after graduation. At one point. Moved to New York? He, he was oh, yeah, right. at the college in Yonkers, but he moved into the city okay. after graduation. Um, he stumbled upon an article at one point about cults, and he recognized all of Larry's tactics. It was a money-making venture, all the alienation, putting them in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Again, he knew he needed therapy, but had a hard time getting the help he needed because of the bastardization of counseling sessions. Yeah. Like once your idea of what's therapeutic has been like worked <laughs> yeah, over that used much. against you so much. Yeah. Um, he said even making friends felt unsafe because he made friends in college and then he ended up in this cult. <laughs> like yeah. he was afraid he'd go to a party and not be allowed to leave. Just like really, really bad and very traumatized person. Yeah, like the kind, um, the kind of fears that like almost no one else has. Yeah, he ended up finding a group for cult escapees and eventually was um, able to open up to his current girlfriend and family and friends about what happened to him. So he's doing probably about as okay as he can. That's I think the really hard work of that would probably have to be reliving it, telling people that. Yes. the The fact that he did extensive interviews for this article and that he has told the people in his life about what happened is like a huge sign of healing. But I really, I feel for all of them, but I I really feel for Daniel because like the him talking for this article ended up getting this investigated. It's it's, it cannot be, it cannot be easy to have to go through this multiple times in order to externalize it and to like push it away. So, Claudia, in April 2019, Larry says he lost touch with Claudia. So she had a former employer who she had once asked for $500,000 to pay back Larry, and the employer had not spoken to her since. The article isn't clear why, but it seems like the employer, or not why he hadn't spoken to her, that's clear, but um, it's not clear why the employer reaches out to Claudia at this point, but he does. And Claudia tells him that Larry had strapped her to a chair and put a plastic bag over her head until she nearly passed out. She was afraid that Larry was going to kill her. And the employer buys her a ticket out of the city. Claudia shuts off her phone. She leaves without packing. And she starts receiving treatment. 
And that's wow. basically we know of what happened after the fact to Claudia. Um, her mom is grateful and relieved and so proud of her daughter to have the strength to leave after everything. Um, Can you imagine how grateful you'd be <clears throat> that yeah. your kid got out or something like that? Yeah. So two weeks after Claudia leave, uh, Claudia has left, Larry is still looking for her. This is all uh, as of 2019 when the initial article is published? Um, yes. Okay. So he says to her in a letter, you said you would never run and hide and I have no understanding as to why you're doing so now. Oh, this is in an email actually. Um, in my experience, the truth has always been important to you and proper regard for the truth. He capitalizes truth, um, has always helped you. Mm-hmm. You asked me to promise to never abandon you, and I have not. So he's still trying to manipulate her, even after she's gotten out. Um, Talia is not living with her father at this point. She's living with her dad's father, but she still speaks to Larry often. Um, so there's another update from this point. There are three articles. There's the main one, and then there's one after that. Uh, that gives a little more info. And then there's one after that about sentencing and stuff. So um, in April 2019, from what I could tell, it was like four days after the article was published, uh, Cindy Pollock, who's Isabella's mom, and Maritza, who is uh, Felicia, uh, Yelitsa, and uh, Santos's mom, uh, decided to make a rescue attempt. Uh, Cindy Pollock received a tip of an address where her daughter may be living and Felicia may be living with Lawrence Ray in Pascataway, New Jersey. Um, They're in the home of a man named Scott Muller. He's the owner of the home. He was a friend of Larry. Larry at one point told him he can help Muller quit drinking. Muller is a severe alcoholic and had lost his job. And he's going to help Muller quit drinking and lose weight, which he does. And Larry uses this as a bargaining chip to hold over Muller's head, Mm -hmm. manipulates Muller, takes over his house, makes weird renovations to the house. Muller's still living there, but he's not. He's being treated horribly. He these people have taken over his home. Muller's also a victim here. At this point, there's already too much information. And so I didn't go into that too much, but Muller's absolutely also a victim here. Right. Um, so the plan of this rescue attempt was to show up at the house and knock on the door. If no one answers, they're going to call 911 and ask for a welfare check. And that's what ends up happening. So when the police come to do the welfare check, the parents are told that Isabella and Maritza don't want to see them and they will be arrested if they go back on the property again. In February 2020, uh, Larry Ray is indicted by the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Mm. Uh, Eight charges were filed against him, including conspiracy, exploitation, Forced labor and sex trafficking. Oh, my God. I'm just so glad he's been charged. The trial is currently set for January 19th, 2021. The lawyers need time to sort through terabytes of data. I bet. Um, so the and there was a little blurb of the parents now that he's been sentenced and everything. The, the parents are hopeful that maybe they'll be able to get their kids back. But the, the, the problem with people like this <clears throat> is that. If you get someone under your thumb like that, then 
when justice their, comes for you, their brains are completely broken. Yeah, it will be seen as you're being persecuted. Like yeah. it's proof positive somehow that cult leader guy is right. Like he's a great manipulator. It's it's just it's when you get someone that bent, it's it just. I mean, just think about the fact that Claudia and, and Santos and Yalitza at some point are being treated like shit by Larry. They're being told that they're poisoning him. They're trying to commit suicide because they're made to feel so bad about the things they've supposedly done, Mm -hmm. that they've damaged his shit, that they've stolen his shit, all this stuff. Yet she's still testifying on his behalf, saying that he's a great guy and she feels so bad about everything she's done to him. That's how fucking cracked he has them. He is just hearing this story. One of the most effective People. That little blurb in the the from the psychologist, yeah, who, who found him impossible to evaluate. <laughs> who who was like, I've been doing this for like twenty fucking years, and I don't, I can't with this guy. Like, I can't. Um. So the article that gives the update about um, their current whereabouts in New Jersey and the the rescue operation is called What Happened to the Stolen Kids of Sarah Lawrence? As Lawrence Ray faces trial, two parents wonder if they'll finally reunite with their children. Um, so that can give you a little bit of information there. Mm-hmm. I, I left a lot of stuff. They talk about Mueller and everything that Larry's done to Mueller. I left that out of this, but it's yeah. in that article. And then um, the alleged mastermind of the Sarah Lawrence cult has been charged, gives details about the charges and the trial. It's not very long. Um, That's mostly what I've told you about as far as the charges and everything goes. But those were all from The Cut, which is a part of like New York magazine affiliates. Yeah. Um, All of these articles were from The Cut. Every other article I've seen, it this did appear in New York Magazine yeah. um, in April 2019. So and everything, all the information is from the cut. Like even other things that I found, it comes back to this main article. So this article was deep digging, investigative, yes. very thorough, so thorough that no one else either wanted to or felt that yeah, they could Yeah, th- this contribute. article is why the investigation happened. Despite every other opportunity for people to be concerned and the parents' concern. Do you remember the author's name of this article? Um, I'm looking for that right now so I yeah. can tell you. I, was gonna say, um, I feel like this, this woman deserves a massive shout out. The original, it's actually, it seems like it's two men who wrote the original. Oh. Um, Ezra Marcus and James D. Walsh. Mm. which was um, updated February 26, 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And let me tell you the other ones because they are written by different people. Mm -hmm. The the update of one, What Happened to the Stolen Kids of Sarah Lawrence, was also by James D. Walsh and Ezra Marcus. Yeah. But the, I think the last one was by Hannah Gold. I think that's what I read. She's the one who was in communication with him. I kept saying she... Yeah. But I think apparently it was men. I didn't look at the <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, no, I mean, gents. Like, she might have been the one that managed to get him on the phone, you know, and like actually. I, I just assumed it was a woman. I think I don't I think it was just the authors of the original article who mm. were in contact with him. That's a really unbelievable <clears throat> depth. I'm of sorry. This was long and difficult <laughs> and painful. It's honest- I think it's important 
I think it's important. How did I not hear? How did we not hear about this? This happened over the course of 10 years. And only just last year did it get investigated because they wrote that article. It speaks to fucking years. It speaks to something that we talked about earlier. But it is true. Our system is thoroughly unprepared, ill-equipped and unable to deal with situations where people are sufficiently manipulated into (laughs) into thinking that their participation in stuff like this is their will, their decision. Yeah. We don't have a way to like evaluate that legally speaking and say, no, I mean, you, you can't, you can't be taken at face value. Yeah. I mean, the, the general assumption is if you're an adult, you can make your own decisions. Yeah, sure. But if someone's been completely broken by someone else. Yeah. A lot of people don't think about that. Like, obviously, we're kind of obsessed with, like, cults and this manipulation, and we're very, very aware of it. Yeah. Some people aren't that aware of how prevalent that is. I think that most of us can, like, see it when it... I think most of us can see it when it's... No, not most of us. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm -mm. A lot of people are able to see the effects of that manipulative behavior and know what it is. But from a... Law enforcement perspective and, and and from the perspective of the legal system, we don't have we don't have a way to deal with that. Often their hands are tied in what they're actually allowed to do. Right. But I would say that if you were called for these welfare checks multiple times and you like all this shit, uh-huh. you can tell. You can tell. Oftentimes, I think the police know. Yeah. And they'll even tell people, look, there's no. Um, the parents who, who tried to do the, like, rescue attempt. Yeah. Um, they said there was one officer who they knew, like, yeah. he had their back, but he couldn't do anything. Yeah. And it, they had said to him something like, you have to understand why we feel this way. Like, do you have kids? And he's like, yes, I have daughters. And they're like, then you should understand this. And he's like, I, I do. Yeah. But he couldn't do anything. Right. Cause they're adults and they're living in this house and it's their property. And if they tell him, get off the property or tell them to get off the property, they have to get off the property. I and just, I just wonder if more can't <clears throat> be done somehow. Like if we, if they, if there cannot be built a system, you know, of like criteria by which the law can then go, Okay, all of these red flags and warning signs are here. We can at least, you know, we're not we're not there. We don't have the system in place. I don't even know what the system would look like, but we're not fucking there. We can't even handle mental health situations at all. I know, but it's like in a better way. But like uh, upon scrutiny, none of this remotely resembles (laughs) anything legitimate that could be happening that like, you know, people's freedoms should be protected for. Like, yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like. Upon any kind of scrutiny, it becomes actually obvious. I, I think another part of this story that, that made it so difficult for the parents, and A, I don't know how much detail they actually had at the time about what was going on. Sure. And B, even if they did, it's like, it sounds so fantastical. I know. Can you imagine going to the police and being like, okay, listen, so my kid is in a cult. Uh-huh. Founded by her college roommate's dad, 
And he has convinced them all that Mayor Rudy Giuliani is out to get them. Like, you sound like a crazy person fucking saying it because it's <laughs> insane because it's Larry Ray's insanity that he's put on everybody else. It just really, really bugs me that stuff like this is allowed to grow to the point that <clears throat> it then explodes and then we find out. Yeah. Why do there not exist better tools? I feel like... I, I feel Wait. like you hear that? Oh, that's hammering outside. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, people like Steve Hassan could speak to this. He's the like, one I thought of. He's like, the one I thought of. Like experts in helping people get out of these manipulative situations and cult situations are the ones we should be asking about. Like, what do what does our system need to change? Yeah. To be able to see these signs and and address it in a in a way to help victims of this. I hold out hope for a future in which <clears throat> someone, someone figures out. I have out, so little hope anymore, but it would be great if that happened. I know. It's pretty hard to have any hope at all in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Uh, he's going to trial. Larry Ray is going to trial. I will be following this trial. Yes. We, we will give updates when we see them. Yeah. And we'll take credit for putting him away, of course. Of course. Yeah. Goose Chase totally did us. it. Put him on the board. And wasn't the cut. Uh, wasn't that amazing article. Mm. Also, by the way, even though I told you a lot of it, very well written article. Sure. I did leave some things out. Um, I'm going to read it. Read those. They're I'm going to read it. Like, kudos absolutely to them. I've used so much of the information they compiled. I can't even imagine the amount of work. Just a friend, that they had to put into that. A friendly reminder to like, buy, you know, like buy a newspaper or some, oh, you know, support yeah, by a the news way, magazine. I, I bought, or, because because it was like the only place I was finding, like it was obviously mm -hmm. the original story. I needed, I knew I needed to read it. Everything else just referred back to it. And I ended up buying a subscription right. because I had... To read it. Yeah. And I had already used my allotted one article for the month. So right. just um, I mean, like this is like a reminder that investigative journalism in particular, like deep investigative journalism is not fucking free. Mm -mm. Someone has to put in a lot of time. Yeah. And effort. I, I can't. And vet I have sources. no idea how how the story came to them or how they heard about it. Or why they started investigating or the number of hours they spent on this. A number of probably pretty sleepless nights trying to track things down and uh -huh. trying to convince people to do interviews with them when they were afraid of retaliation. And 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 keep in the context that he was not investigated until after this article. So their fears of re retaliation were very valid. Oh, yeah. Um, and still are. But obviously he had better access to them when he wasn't already charged with stuff. Right. So just good job to the people. Who yeah. The just, articles. just a reminder that this shit isn't free. It's very brave and dangerous and it has real world consequences. We, we, you know, people, people <clears throat> in this case, a dude is now on trial that might not have been. Yeah. Um, I Thanks just, to a, like a four part article <laughs> in the cut. It's really astonishing to me. But, you know, buy a digital subscription to a newspaper. Honestly, if for <laughs> Just do it. The first 2 months are free and after that it's 6 bucks a month, but you get the cut and like you you get New York Magazine, you get all the affiliates of them, which is like 10 different things. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm constantly being advertised things by the cut on my Facebook because right. they, they know exactly the kind of person I am. I think that's how I found this. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, I'm not even mad that I got the subscription. I don't know if I'll actually keep it. Probably won't. But at least for the next couple months, I'll be reading yeah. a bunch of stuff from them. But <sighs> This was an important episode for us, I think. And uh, I appreciate all the work that you put into this I'm one. sorry it's tough. Yeah. I'm sorry it's long. This I'm losing my voice. Th- but This episode will not have like a funny cute nickname no i think we just have to call it the the stolen kids of sarah lawrence uh or something similar i don't want to use the exact title yeah but you know yeah so yes it's a toughie but i think it's an importanty (laughs) 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 i didn't want to say goody (laughs) it didn't sound right um i i think it if we the fact that this in 2010 was happening and continue to happen and only the, through this, this year. Later. Like, it's astonishing and upsetting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hope everyone involved gets the help that they absolutely need. And I feel for the parents. And good job on the cut and the reporters involved for reporting on this and doing some really fucking bang up work. This episode ended up being real heavy. I'm sorry, but it, you can't avoid it being... It, yeah. I said every fucking kind of abuse possible at the beginning, and I wasn't kidding. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there was this story has everything in the worst possible way. Uh, and it's weird because we started off so fun. <laughs> you gotta find joy somewhere. It just gets worse and worse the deeper you go. Sometimes doing this podcast, there's like a mental load to <laughs> yeah. doing this podcast. I spent two days trying to like. Get yeah. find ways to focus because my brain was like, I don't want to read any more of this. Yeah, but I, I mean, I wanted to, but it's just tough. People to need try to, to know. organize the information. People need to know when things when like your this brain happen. is like sad. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, well, it, it's important. It's a ride. Well, <clears throat> why don't we? Uh, why don't we go ahead and it's wrap only up? Been like two hours. <laughs> it's, yeah, three this, hours. This episode is two and a half hours long. Ugh. I'm uh, sorry, but like, oof, could not be avoided. Uh, thanks for the work that you did on this one. Yeah. This was big. Thank you. Uh, holy shit. Uh, I guess next episode. We'll hopefully be lighter. <laughs> next episode's all puppies and kittens. <laughs> I think you, I I think just, you have an idea for a topic, so it's, hopefully it's, it's, it's better it's, than it's this. Not puppies and kittens. Um, is it at least not as bad as this? This is our new gauge. Is it as bad as the Larry Ray story? Yeah. I think I think the previous gauge for sad was the dolphin that mm. fell in love with that woman. I'd say that was a that was the gauge for sad. The gauge for fucked up was probably Nexium. Nexium, without a doubt. Um, the gauge for lighthearted was um, was Indian music. Yeah. <laughs> yes, episode three, Shruti Patootie. Shruti Patootie. It's also like one five. of my favorite names. <laughs> I think good, it was three. That's a pretty good title. Um, anyway, <laughs> next week, something <laughs> next episode, something completely different. Yes. Um, and now. Thank you for listening <laughs> to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Uh, <laughs> 
It's just all the cute closer stuff doesn't feel right now. I know. We're just devastated. Uh, um, now you are, too. You're welcome. Yeah. You're in it with us. And don't we For know it? For better or worse. Uh, have a good week. A good couple of weeks. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod, and our website is www.GooseChasePodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at GooseChasePodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 